This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, an unofficial podcast for Greater Than Games' Spirit Island. Episode 303? That's it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Spirit Island Bringer and River. We don't know what the episode is. We don't, I don't know. You'll figure it out. We know what it is. You'll figure it out. I just didn't know how to. It was a mouthful it was of a lot. things to. I realized I was about to say like no, 10 I, words. Oh, I've got it. Okay. Episode 303 Spirit Guides, Bringer of Dreams and Nightmares, and River Surges in the Sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> Music by Brian Capillus, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Uh, yeah, I never know what energy to come in with this with these episodes because why? Because uh, I got to think about the different music, and this one is like it's just like a horn blowing, and there's like that beat, and it's it's different than the Space Cats theme song, and it of doesn't course, have the intensity exactly. It's a different kind of intensity. It's more relaxed, and then we mm. come in episode. You know, we just like we're just here coming in hot. Yeah, we scare we scare everybody. They were vibing out to the beautiful sounds of Brian Capillus. I've had a whole cup of coffee. <laughs> You know what I mean? You've had a cup and a half of coffee. I've had a cup and, and a half Hunter of coffee. And Hunter is ready to talk about Spirit Island. I'm jittering. That's right, everybody. It's I'm one of those episodes. jittering on coffee right now, and I'm so excited. Uh, I got some really good news. Local news. Okay. Local news just dropped. Oh, no. Uh, friend of the show, friend of my body, uh, EJ Extra J Sanders. Ernest, Ernest Jernist. Ernest Jernist himself. Uh, has begun his stand-up comedy <laughs> journey. I have conned him into becoming a stand-up comedian like myself. Mm -hmm. He is now my Padawan learner, <laughs> and I am his master. Uh -huh. Good, good. So you come into our town, you talk smack on Arkansas. Arkansas sucks. And then you're trying to steal EJ away from me by, by the tempting allure of New York City yep. comedy. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be out there with me, just sitting around waiting. He'll just to abandon go up. his daughter. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That was something because I'm so used to when I meet comedians to be always talking to them about like where yeah. they should move. Yeah, it's like one of the most right. strategic, fun things to talk to a sure. comedian about. And when we got back to EJ's after the thing, yeah. I started talking to him like that, like, and halfway no. through was like, "What am I talking yeah. about? I'm not going anywhere, honey." Yeah, yeah. But and then I said something like. But it's also good to be a big fish in Arkansas Pond, too. That's also cool. Is it? <laughs> it is. No, it is. Okay. It is. Here's my policy on Arkansas. When I'm in it, I don't like it. When I'm outside of it, I love it. And I miss it. You know? Tell everybody in New York If City, I'm in New York, I'm like, Arkansas dude, is. New York sucks. Arkansas is amazing. If uh -huh. I'm in Arkansas, Arkansas sucks. New York is the best place. I mean, why would you want to be anywhere else? Uh -huh. Why would you want to be anywhere yeah. else? Yep. They got nothing here. I can't walk to the bagels. There ain't a bagel I can walk to. <laughs> when in I'm Arkansas. in Arkansas, I think it's okay. When I'm anywhere else, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Matt's that's my Matt's guide to travel. Ooh, you're coping. <laughs> that's what that is. That's coping right there. You've coped with it. You're like, I'm okay with my circumstances. Yeah. And then when you see the reality of your yeah. circumstances compared to the world, you're like, I am bummed about my circumstances. <laughs> they are not ideal. No, I go to new places and I'm like, yeah, Arkansas is fine because this place is like is dumb too. Everywhere's dumb. Everywhere's got its equal amount of dumb. You know, I we do not share that. Yeah. I I am easily impressed by every single place I visit and I see. see stupid people everywhere I go. Dude, the 
first night in Chicago on the tour, we got in and we were at this, it was Memorial Day. Oh, fun. And I don't know if you know anything about Chicago or the Midwest, but those people <laughs> like to drink and not in a, I don't know what a cool way would be yeah, to sure. be drinking, uh, It, but it wasn't cool. It wasn't it, that way. It was, and I showed up, we were at this bar doing a show. And I had no interest in yeah. in the level of party they were at. <laughs> and I was just like really kind of blown away by it. Like, seriously, if you're from Chicago, like y'all like cool it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just chill a little bit. You, you look like you look like you need to go. You need to ride home. You know what I mean? That's what all, all of, of Chicago looked yeah. like to me. You need a ride home, you know? I don't know how you're getting home, but you need so you need to get a ride. Chicago, to, it's time to go. Please secure a ride soon, Chicago. Yeah. Um, and even then, though, I was just like, wow, what a wonderful place. You know, I was just like so excited, like, oh, another culture, you know? These wow. people drink different. That's uh -huh. fun. How, it's how fun to see novel. people drink different. That's really funny. Um, yeah, that's wow. that's how I feel. I'm just walking around with my little eyes open and being like, oh, it's so nice what people do here. All, the only thing I marvel at when traveling is the public transit. Yeah, yeah, You dude. don't see any of that in Arkansas. Yeah, and then you dude. go somewhere that doesn't, and you're like, this is beautiful. It's a beautiful ecosystem of things on time and on schedule. And when they're not on schedule, the system adapts. It's beautiful. Yeah. Here's the most New York City thing is I... Every day, I, I try to reflect a little bit on how cool the train is. Uh -huh. But you'll be like standing there waiting for the train, just be thinking about how I'm so thankful to live in a city where I can walk to a train and then the train take me where me want to go. Uh -huh. But then the train gets there and the doors open and just like a rat gets off the train. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. And, I, and, that, and that too. too. <laughs> and that too. We have to take that as well. Okay. I get to use the transit and so do New York City rats. We're both citizens of New York. So what's the difference? That rat pays his taxes. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Yep. I, I agree. Well, Hunter, let's dive in. Uh, I really, I just really want you to uh, tell the listeners about your journey of prepping this bringer of dreams <laughs> and nightmares guide. I just really, I think it's hilarious and wonderful and beautiful. Okay, so <laughs> we had a talk about what the next Spirit Island spirits were going to be uh, after the last episode, which yep. has now been like a month ago yep. or something. And a lot has happened since then. And I just kind of forgot which one it was. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought, so it was Shadows Flicker Like Flames was yeah. what I was supposed to play. And then instead I played Bringer of Dreams and Nightmares. Let me tell you something, actually. You know I, what? At I'm, this stage, I'm, I'm here to defend you because this is fair. Yeah. These are the two of the base game set where it's like, it's so easy to, as a new person, to not know which one. It's just like, I'm grabbing the one that's got the, just like the darkness on it. I don't yeah. know. I think that, okay, I, I'm going to say something a little critical of this game. I think that the naming convention uh -huh. for the spirits yeah. has actually worn out its welcome for me, <laughs> and that I am sort of over it, yeah. and I would prefer them all have nicknames right. that we all use instead. Yeah. I am no, I do not, because a lot of these, they don't shorten to something that sounds nice. Ocean. Like, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Vital. No. Er no. Earth. I guess Earth. it's Earth. I uh, hope th nothing this, else uses Earth. I mean, in this, this name. the spirit I'm talking about today is bringer of dreams and nightmares. So what? I'm gonna call him Bringer. Right. That's <laughs> that's his that's his name. Bodan. Bringer. I, I think I think people call him Bodan. That's not really? helpful either. Yeah. People call him Bodan. That's like the, all just it, the like acronym. the acronym. Yeah. 
Um, then that that acronym stuff ain't gonna work right. with too many of them. Arsis. And then you have like Thunderspeaker. That's Great. a name. That's a Wonderful name, name. everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. But like to this this we got we gotta fix this. Yeah. So maybe what we do now, part of our service, yeah, is we gotta coin a nickname for every spirit. Oh dear. Um and okay. let's just we'll do the two that sure. we're doing today. Okay. Uh Bringer of Dreams and Nightmares. What is the nickname going to be? Johnny Scaramups. Mm. The Fear Doctor. Okay. <laughs> Doctor Dr. Fear. Fear. <laughs> Dr. Fear. I do kind of like Dr. Fear. That's pretty good. Uh, and when you play with Lightning Swift Strife, it's Dr. Fear and the Electric Mayhem. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Teeth is the muppet. Yeah, whatever, whatever. There we go. Uh, I like Dr. Fear, yeah. actually. Good. So we now call Bringer of Dreams and Nightmares Dr. Fear. Yeah. Unless you, I mean, if you have... A better, a better one. Th- you know, throw it down in the comments. Yep. You know what I mean. Hit like, <laughs> like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Uh, and and you know you can get on our Discord. We have a Discord mm-hmm. where you can say your your suggested names. But for now, we're going with Doctor Fear. Yeah. I feel like it won't. We won't. This isn't going to hold. It, I feel like it's not going. <laughs> I can already feel. It I can slipping feel from it our grasp. <laughs> I can feel it too. I do like the Electric Mayhem for Lightning, lightning s- Swift Strike. Yep. Uh, that one's good. I think Dr. Fear maybe won't last, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, so uh, let's get into it, though. We're we gotta we're going to do this spirit first, then we're going to take a break, and we'll do the other one. Yeah. You know how it works. Um, all right. So the lore for Dr. Fear is, uh, I didn't read it, but I, it's basically, so he's like a hot topic kind of guy. Right. He loves to be scary. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of a heavy metal. Right. He's kind of a hardcore guy. Uh, and uh, and I I make him a guy. I don't. He has kind of dude energy to me. You think so. Um, he looks scary in like kind of a Marilyn Manson or and I don't want to say Marilyn. Manson. It looks like a Terminator. He he looks like uh, he looks like he'd be in Tool is mm-hmm. what I think of him. Mm-hmm. He I, I like Guar. Maybe not Guar. Guar's funny. Okay, uh, right. He probably wouldn't be in Guar. I feel like he'd 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 be in Tool though, or maybe Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the nice. He's like kind of a Trent Reznor inspired <laughs> uh, spirit. Good. Okay, and his lore really uh, supports that. Yeah. Um. And and I'm really good at the lore part. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we do. And then this is the conclusion. You of the, you the wrote here very metal, hardcore, bad butt, dark stuff. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um. There's something called the. It's some. He's in the. There's a realm of the Pathmaker. There you go. That hey, that was enough. That fueled them. The people that care were like, oh, he said Pathmaker. I said Pathmaker. <laughs> so there you go. Um, the setup for Doctor Fear is to put two presents on your starting board in the highest numbered sands. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a pretty thin start. It's also just in your sands, so depend. It, that might be immediately relevant. Might be not relevant. You do have a decent amount of range, so like okay. this start isn't so bad. Yeah, I was about to um, say, it's, it seems awkward that it's the same style of territory, but if you come at it with range, I, I would hope that's helpful. Yeah, what's funny about that, too, is that you're getting a sacred site, right? And the this is not really a sacred site spirit. We oh, don't I really see. It's two, it's two in a single. So I was thinking you spread out across the two. No, no. Ah, the highest number. Got it. Okay. Yeah, all right. As far as uh, special rules go, we got kind of a doozy to start with. Uh, the first is to dream a thousand deaths. Um, this is a this is a special rule. This is not necessarily well. This is like kind of the the principle of the of the entire spirit, but it's kind of phrased as if it's like sort of a problem. I mean, there, you'll notice there's a problem right away. Uh, so to dream a, a thousand deaths works like this: your powers 
never cause damage. Nor can they destroy anything other than your own presence. (laughs) So that's bad. But you get something. When your powers would destroy or deal enough damage to destroy settlers, towns, or cities, you instead generate zero, two, or five fear. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're generating more fear than normal. Uh, The power pushes all settlers slash towns it would destroy. Mm. Okay, so you can push settlers and towns around pretty good. We we know likey the cities too much. We're not really too good at dealing with them. Um, They obviously grant us a lot of power, but we can't juggle them uh, in this way. Yeah. Um, And then we have a special note here. A single power cannot destroy a given invader more than once. Powers that cause damage via Dahan are affected just like all others. All effects other than damage slash destroy work as usual. Okay. Um, So this is only altering damage and destroy. Um, It does apply to uh, damage via Dahan, uh, but, you know, which is a little bit confusing because I guess it's like the Dahan are giving the nightmares to the guy. (laughs) I'm not really sure the logic there. (laughs) Whatever. It's not my job here uh, to judge. But this is the kernel of this entire spirit. Mm -hmm. We give people nightmares. They imagine that they are being destroyed or being damaged or being hurt, uh, but they do not actually, they're not actually destroyed in any yeah. tangible way. And Which means you're not dealing with uh, blight risks, essentially. No. You're, you're not removing stuff. That is scary. It is scary. Um, and that it's, you know, this is a high complexity spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think primarily uh, for that reason. I, I think if you played it in solo mode, I'm not even sure that would work. <laughs> Because I, you can't, you can't really kill anything. Yeah. Um. Let's get to the innate powers. So we have two. The first is called Spirits May Yet Dream. It is a quick power. Uh. Its range is nothing. Its target is any spirit. So this is just something that just happens. Uh. It's pretty cool though. Uh. The first level of it is two moon, two air. Turn any face down fear card face up. It's earned slash resolved normally, but players can see what's coming. Mm-hmm. So now you get to see one of the fear cards before it's resolved. And I say one because we're pretty good at, you're gonna get more than one. <laughs> uh, but you you do not get to see all of them, you'll just get to see uh, one. So this really helps the entire table's strategy, right? Because mm-hmm. fear cards oftentimes are gonna give you that sort of unexpected uh, boon or help. And this time, you're gonna have a little idea of what it's gonna be. Right. And two moon and two air is not is not very difficult once we get to the... Uh, to the unique power cards, you will you will see why. Um, and then we have a slight upgrade at three moon. A target spirit gains an element that they have at least one of. So mm. you help uh, by letting a spirit repeat one element. That's just kind of an extra little team based yeah. helper thing. Doesn't even really make a lot of. It's just kind of tech it can be there. juicy though because some of those like high level innates like I'm thinking about my river later that I'm going to have to do and it's like four water is something I require. It's not the hardest thing in, I would need to do but if I can get that one extra water from oh, somewhere yeah. else it opens up my possibility space quite a bit. Oh yeah. I Every time I unlock this somebody wanted it. Yeah, somebody yeah. had a use for it. Right. So it yeah it's no shade at it. It's more just like from a design perspective, I'm like, that, why are these the things thing. good? Yeah. These are just kind of two different things, but that's fine. Your second uh, unique, or what are these called? Innate power, I mm-hmm. should say. Uh, it's called Night Terrors, and this is like another example of just this uh, spirit, you know, to a T. 
Uh, it is a quick power. Its range is zero from presence, uh, and the target is invaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one moon, if you have one moon and one air, the version of it just causes a fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get two moon, one air, and one beast, you get one additional fear. Uh, if we upgrade that to three moon, two air, and one beast, you're getting another fear. So that's three fear in total. Uh, that beast symbol is kind of the only one that is difficult to come by, but we do have two cards that are going to have beasts. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you'll be on the lookout for more as you obtain more power cards. Um, but I found it pretty easy to just uh, like buy the fourth turn at least, maybe by even the third turn, to just actually be accumulating this three fear all the time really okay it was just it was pretty easy yeah it's it's your presence has to be there because of that range zero but and you have a lot of push stuff but it it is interesting that it's like what how does the balance feel then of like you're not killing stuff but you need to be there to do this yeah i mean yeah i think that because uh because you're not killing any of your invaders you have presence <laughs> where invaders are, yeah. Because they're you're mostly they're always everywhere. Yeah, they're always everywhere. <laughs> okay. Is the thing that's you, fair. You are you're kind of a mess in that regard. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, you're. The, it's not difficult to find a, a valid target land, and also mm. the target land is just invaders and presence. So yeah. that could just be like a single right anything anything right, right. anything at all. One settler and and we're and we're good there. Yeah. True. Um, all right, let's talk about the growths. Uh, these are pretty interesting. One in particular, I think, is uh, is quite strange, but makes sense once you kind of realize what we're going after here. So the first growth is your reclaim cards growth. And this is reclaim cards, all cards, gain one power card. There's no presence placement yep, right. there. Um, and that right there really slows down this spirit a lot. Mm-hmm. Um you're going to want to avoid doing your all reclaim cards as much as possible. This growth is the one we don't want to have to do, mm-hmm. but it is, uh, it is going to happen uh, as, we, as we go. And you just want to plan for it to happen, but not, you know, not overuse this one. Mm-hmm. Um, growth two, reclaim one card. Interesting. Add a presence at zero range. Uh, so this is going to make a lot more sense once we start talking about how this spirit is the first spirit i've played that is specifically attuned to major powers Mm -hmm. and this growth is i would say explicitly for all right i'm gonna take my nuke back we're gonna do that again over and over we're gonna do that again (laughs) we're gonna have another one of those uh which is it's it's you know it's nice um but this one's also like you know this one's your kind of utility one you're not gonna be using growth two a lot mostly we're gonna be talking about growth three and growth four so growth three is gain one power card, add a presence one range away uh, from where our current presence is. Um, so that's good. We're going to be gaining power cards. We want to be placing presence um, so that we can, especially when I talk about our presence tracks, our top, uh, we want to get our top track uh, unveiled as quickly as possible. Okay. Uh, growth four is add a presence four range to Dahan or Invaders. So that's kind of, it's kind of a weird specific thing. Yeah. Um, and then we gain two energy. Uh, we are a bit of a, a we are a spirit that is going to accumulate a lot of extra energy, which is why we are kind of set up for uh, majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I think a lot of it has to do with this gain two energy plus the focus on the top track, mm-hmm. which is our energy track, uh, just kind of adds up to eventually. Uh, and also, this is like a very, uh, like 
as far as placing presence, four range, but with Dahan and invaders. I mean, the Dahan and invaders part is that's nothing. Right, I that's mean, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. You can put this is this this actually, uh, Hunter. You're reading it weirdly, but it actually says put a presence uh, pretty much anywhere. Pretty much anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the, there's very little. I mean, a place that doesn't fit this bill is probably is just a place you probably don't want to put a presence anyway. Right. Um. So because uh, nothing's happening over there, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um, hardly matter. So this this growth four, growth three and growth four are kind of your bread and butter, um, and they are uh, quite good, and they give you a lot of versatility for where to place that presence. Let's talk about the presence tracks real quick. Top track, which we're going to focus on a lot, is uh, energy two, and then you get an air symbol. Right away, you're unlocking an air symbol, so that's mm-hmm. why, you know, when I was saying, like, it's pretty easy to do like your innates are because we've got a lot of it on the track. Yeah. Um, the next uh, step on it is three energy per round. That's good. Next step is a moon symbol. <laughs> wow. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> stacking that up. Uh, next one is uh, four energy per round. Next one is any element wow. per round. So that could be your beast right yeah. there. Um, and then the last is uh, five energy, which uh, I didn't, I, I don't think I ever even got to that because mm. you kind of make the game end uh, a lot quicker than it would have without your presence. Mm. Um, bottom track for you kind of sucks. This is where <laughs> right. they chose to, I think, really limit um, Dr. Fear. <laughs> uh, it's your card play track, obviously. Uh, you start with two cards you can play, uh, and then you get uh, two. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, and then you get two. Okay. Yeah, and and th- you don't have any growths that double presence. So, I mean, you're talking yep. four turns. Oh, yeah, yeah. They basically set it up to be like, do not look at that bottom track. Yeah. Just ignore that. You get two. You get to play two cards. Uh, relax. You know what I mean? Right. Don't be playing more wow. than two. We're not going to let you do it. Um, and then finally, you get to three uh, on, on the next uh, part, and then three again. And then last, you just get another any element. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. That's all that's on the bottom track. Um, so yeah, I I really would not bother with yeah. it. Uh, th- it takes so long to get to three, and meanwhile, you should be focusing. Yeah, on Yeah, just energy. to compare those two at the same le- those ennies are in the same spot. Yeah. So if you spent all of your time getting to the any, the only thing you will have actually gained in any of your presence track is a single card play. Yeah. You will have gone from your baseline of two to three to three compared to. Four energy per round, an air symbol, a moon symbol, and yep. an any. Yep. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. It's like they wanted to make a spirit that only had one track. Yeah. Why or, did they just? Why, they just. They could have just taken it away. Well, it just would have been. I guess it would have been weird because <laughs> yeah. of how the presence is set up already. Sure, sure. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Um, though. Let's get to the unique powers though. These these are pretty fun, and uh, they're going to make a lot of sense. Uh, let me tell you that this is, a, this is a tight spirit. We got specific things we do more so than any spirit I've covered thus far. Yeah, this spirit has a gimmick, and it is right. into that. That's gimmick. the vibe I've gotten from hearing other people talk about this game. Is people don't like this one as much, and it sounds like exclusively just because it's like, well, you just do this one. Yeah, thing. you either like doing that one thing or you don't, and then that's it. Absolutely, <laughs> that, that, that's the vibe I've always gotten. So the first one we're going to talk about is called Call on Midnight's Dream. It is a zero cost, quick power. Its range is zero from presence, and the target is any. Uh, it carries with it a moon symbol and a beast symbol. So a beast symbol, we need that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it reads, if target land has Dahan, gain a major power. Whoa. So we are gaining a major power when we're using our quick powers. If you forget this power, like is in to pay for, because you have to yeah. forget a power whenever you to get give a major, up Call of Midnight Stream. Which this act, this card made me realize, like, wait. So it's saying I can forget cards I've played. 
Uh, oh, right. This sure. is like the only time I guess that would be relevant yeah. because you don't normally gain majors in the middle, like while yeah, yeah, you've yeah. played powers. Right. But it's cool to think that in another situation, if you happen to gain a major power in this window. Right. I've used the word window now. <laughs> in this timing window, what is everything Twilight Imperium? <laughs> uh, then yeah, you should consider any any face-up card uh, forgettable. But um, so if you forget this power, as in specifically call on Midnight Stream, gain energy equal to Dahan, like in the target sure. land that you've chosen, uh, and you may play the major power immediately Paying its cost, all right? Okay. So that's pretty decent. Uh, and then it has an or, a secondary effect you can do instead, if invaders are present to fear. So that's kind of like... <laughs> He's got a fallback plan. I was just like, or just like more fear stuff, I guess. If or want. just more fear. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be like, it could be a situation where uh, you don't need to gain any more majors. And if, right. if you are in that, then you could just kind of stack a little extra fear mm -hmm. uh, on with... I'm not really sure why that or is there, but it is there, whatever. I don't think I've ever used it. You just got, you dive right into the major power when you're I'm, I'm diving for the majors. Yeah. Um, and when we talk about opening, I'll I'll go right into that. Mm -hmm. um, the next power is called Dread Apparitions. It is a two-cost, uh, quick power, range one from presence, target invaders, uh, and then it carries with it a moon and an air symbol. Uh, so we're just we're so tight on the symbols right. here. There's like there's like three we care about, and we've already heard from all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and it reads: When powers generate fear in target land, defend one per fear, and Whoa. it causes one fear as well so it's automatically a defend one yes because it does it to itself yes um but if you happen to stack fear in a in a mm -hmm. land either because of a major power you're playing or whatever this can be a highly defensive card yeah, right um you just have to kind of trick it into uh working correctly um and it does it does specifically mention underneath that fear from to dream a thousand deaths which is the special rule about um your damage creates fear yeah. obviously counts but fear from destroying towns slash cities does not mm -hmm. count. Um, not that you're doing that. So yeah, no, just, you don't even do that's that. That's if weird stuff comes up, basically. Yeah, if, if weird stuff were to come up and towns, were to, towns and cities were to be destroyed, that fear, that kind of normal style yeah. fear that people generate does not count. Only your weird nightmare fear right. is what counts. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's, that is a useful card uh, and has some great application that makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's talk about the third power. Uh, it is called Dreams of the Dahan. It is a zero-cost quick power. Range two from presence. Target any land. Uh, and it carries with it a moon and an air, just like the last one we talked about. And it reads, Gather up to two Dahan. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it has an or. This is actually a useful or, though. Um, or, if target land has a town slash city, one fear for each Dahan Whoa. to a maximum of three fear. Um, so this is kind of, it's obviously useful for moving the Dahan around, uh, which is the only way that we can do damage is when the Dahan counterattack. Yeah. Um, but then also, once you've already got Dahan stacked up somewhere, just a good thing to do in order to generate some extra fear. If we throw D Dreams of the Dahan and Dread Apparition, right. if we target the exact same land, we're talking like four... Uh, four defend, yeah. like easily. And then they kill everything, yeah. And then they kill everything. Right. And so there you go. Uh, four defend, I mean, is like, I think a common thing to try and hit, because yeah. that's what? That is, that is town, city, uh, 
Wait, no. That's ta- enough for the like for those two, like because because you you've got a you've got a safety of one, right? But yes. a town and a city, yeah. you would be blocking the relevant damage from that. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so pretty good. Uh, and uh, you'll you'll probably end up using Dreams of the Dahan kind of throughout because that's about as that three fear there uh, matches your innate power as well. Yeah. And if we're talking about both, we're talking about six fear right, right there. Yeah. Well, um, and with those like with two of these cards, you reach that level three and eight like yeah. <laughs> almost immediately basically yeah. so yeah you just you just get six fear is yeah. what you've just described to me you're kind of like yeah and that's <laughs> kind of the baseline for dr fear is yeah. like um oh, yeah six more just throw six right more <laughs> um and that really you know it, it really pushes the the speed of the game up quite a bit all right our last unique power uh this is our only slow power wow it's called predatory nightmares it is two cost uh, like i said it's slow uh, range one from a sacred site. This is the only one where we care about sacred sites. And the target must be invaders. Uh, and it carries with it moon, flame, mountain, and beast. Um, obviously, we only care about moon and beast, but it does have beast, which is, the, there's only two we have that have beast. Everything else has moon, and then the other two have air. Yeah. And it reads, two damage, push up to two, Dahan. Uh, so the two damage is fine. Uh, it's it's kind of good for if you remember that that damage isn't actually killing anything, right? But it is going to move something, yeah. like for example, a town. Yeah. Right. Um. So this is our we're seeing in the future that this land over here is going to get too bad. So we're going to go ahead and move that town mm-hmm. away into a land that it's either already ravaged, so it's not going to come up again in this uh stage, or I don't know. We're just, the you could also use it to like, oh, I've got some settlers that are going to build next turn. Mm-hmm. Ah, how about they just not build? Right. And there you go. Um, you do have to watch out uh, because of it, this is something that cares about sacred sites, and we have so little of that that you might not have that many. Right. Uh, I ran into that a few times where I was like, ah, I would love to do this power, but actually I just don't have a sacred site in mm-hmm. the right place. Um, so definitely... Definitely keep an eye on that. Um, I would say this is like kind of my least favorite. Yeah. Of, of their it feels abilities. that way. It, yeah. it feels like it's just sort of like, and we gave you a fourth card. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's It can be really important in getting that kind of tempo on the invaders early, um, as I find a lot of slow powers generally are. I feel right. like the slow powers That's are. That, yeah. How well can you plan ahead? Yeah. How much uh, time do you want to save yourself in the future? Right. Um. But yeah, let's get to the fun part. Let's talk, let's talk analysis. We've talked about the components now. Let's talk about what, what we actually want to do, what, what playing this spirit well um, might look like, um, at least for uh, a little nub like me, mm-hmm. a little nublet. <laughs> um, so this is the first time I've played any, any spirit in Spirit Island that feels like major powers are like kind of like a big part yeah, of it, where right. it's like kind of the spine of it. Um, because of Call on Midnight's Dream, we get to dr- jump into one like way earlier yeah. than what maybe even makes sense. Also, if you noticed, our powers are pretty cheap, yeah, uh, and we have pretty decent energy uh, right. gathering uh, in that top track, yeah. Especially if we focus on throwing presence down in that top track, um, and we're using growth four every once in a while to gain two extra right. energy. The idea that we have enough energy to do a major every once in a while doesn't seem that weird, yeah. And also, if you break down the major deck, uh, it kind of has like there's several, I would say, classifications of, of major powers. There's, there's ones that do a lot of damage. There's ones that do a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. There's ones that do like weird stuff with the Dahan. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff that there's like weird ones with the elements. Yeah. 
Um, and there's maybe the other. Let's just throw everything else in, in another Super pile. weird utility. Yeah, yeah, super weird utility. Um, well, damage is fear for you, and yep. fear is fear yeah. for you. So now, a big portion, it feels like, of that major power uh, deck actually feeds right into your advantage yeah. uh, in a really beautiful way. Hmm. Uh, I had no problem finding majors that were like, yeah, that'll work. That'll <laughs> she'll do. <laughs> yeah, and it's because yeah, all the big damage ones are for you, and they're not even just. It's it's like it's way more fun than that even because it's not even just the. I I find a big damage major and I'm like, wow, this is, this does a lot of fear. Well, yeah, it does a lot of fear and it also allows me to juggle yeah. everything in that land it's, except for cities. It's basically. so wild because we, we haven't talked about my spirit yet, but I didn't play any games with river and bringer and i don't feel like i ever heard anybody bring up that like if this is like a cool combo or not but i th these two together sound incredible to me because uh river doesn't do much fear like mm -hmm. kind of at all which means you're like i don't know if these these fear cards just aren't gonna come up and so getting to play with bringer would mean oh i get to do some fear cards but also we are both gonna push oh we'll talk about this more later but i'm just like fascinated by this thought right now we're both gonna push like crazy. If you and I were playing these two spirits together, there would be one spot on the board with every single invader in it, <laughs> yeah. and then we would just finish the game. Yeah. There would be a moment where we're just done. Yeah, yeah. Well, that yeah, that would be fun. We should we should we should play that out uh, because yeah, that that actually neatly kind of transitions into my next point, which is that you are very dependent on your friends yeah. as Doctor Fear. Doctor Fear don't kill nobody. So that means like it's going to get pretty grody yeah. in your area because you're not really finishing anybody off. Yeah. Now, you do have that like that one move we dis described as the whole like I accumulate fear in one land and then now I have defense there. But you don't. That's it. I mean, that, you're just that's, defending. You're yeah, holding you're, things off. You're just <laughs> defending and, and hopefully you have enough to Han there to, to finish it off. Right. But traditionally speaking, you're never at a point where I only have one yeah. problem land this ravage. Right. Generally, you're going to have more than one. Yeah. And our whole thing is maybe going to help out in one. Mm -hmm. So everything's are, everything is always going to be a little bit dicey for us. And you're always going to need to communicate to your teammates like what your si situation is. Because hopefully they can help you. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a bummer in this strategy guide where I'm like... Uh, part of it is ask for uh, help. A lot of help. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. I feel like it's very fair for you to ask for help because you shorten the length of the game right. by a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you are running out the clock on fear cards mm -hmm. to where, I mean, you can get it done by, like, you can, I, I think I had a game where it was like we saw two stage two uh, and that's it. And that's it. Wow. And then it was. It was just. It was just over. Right. And also unlocking those fear cards, which which we get to see some of them. Yeah. You know, we get to we get them flipped face up. Uh, means that a lot of random helpful stuff is yeah. actually going to happen right before the invaders do all their nasty business. So the team gets a lot out yeah. of us being there. Right. Um. And I think it's more than fair to sort of say to the team like, hey. We're gonna we're gonna turn this game into a sprint yes. to the end, but you gotta help me not fall apart. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I played with somebody else playing Bringer one time, and that definitely became the vibe. Was like they were always asking, "Hey, I need you to keep me in check." But then the finish line was literally run out the entire fear deck. Like yeah. that's the only time I played where we went not into terror level three and then try to kill cities. It was like, no, 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 literally the fastest thing to do is to just burn 
through the entire deck and get the the that's one of the methods of winning yeah. that I've forgotten about. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. if you just finish the whole deck, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it it's it can happen remarkably fast yeah. uh with Dr. Fear. Uh also something that I'd never really realized before because it just had never come up in my games is if you so if you're stacking fear cards on the uh these are the card the fear cards we're going to get to reveal and then you happen to remove the one that is that creates the stage two yeah. fear situation where now all, I don't have to kill settlers. I just have to yeah. kill uh, cities and towns. Well, that means you're going to be resolving the stage two of all of those fear cards. Right. And if you're looking at how many cards you have ahead of you, you can kind of plan to have this stacked round yeah. where suddenly you do three fear cards. But all of a sudden, they get upgraded yeah. to the level two version right. of themselves before they're even if, resolved. If you had if you had burnt out too quickly, two of those would have just been level ones. But right. you saved yourself one turn to turn all of them into like their maximum potential, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it 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 feels really good. But it's like, yeah, you kind of do have to think about the fear deck in a different way. Yeah. Um. This is, I mean, I think the first very fear based. Uh, spirit that we've done so i'm yeah. sure there's a lot of other spirits that have a similar way of thinking around them i so someone on our discord made a comment about how some of the learning curve of this game really feels like just it's an expectation for you to learn the other decks like learning a spirit right. is one thing right. and this i think this is why this is a high complexity spirit is because actually what it wants you to do is mill the fear deck and have those abilities be useful. Right. And that's hard to do early on because you don't know what's in that. Like, yeah. uh, for me, I'm still playing where I'm like, I have no idea what's going to come up in that fear deck. Right. But when people know generally what to expect from the fear deck, that would, I think, probably dramatically change what you expect even from this spirit. Yeah. And I think if you want to learn what's in that fear deck, uh, you should play This Dr. is the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, our bread and butter are, are innate powers that are giving us that like kind of baseline fear. Um, and then using, you know, our special rule to generate as much fear as possible every single round. Yeah. As far as growths go, you know, I've been saying it over and over that we want to focus on uh, the top track. Um, growths three and four in particular are the ones that we should be using a majority of the time. That yeah. growth two, that reclaim one, I feel like is specifically for the. I feel like that's the designer saying. Yeah. Like that's if you. Just have a good major. Right. You need to get it right back so that you can well, just continue to do more stuff. With yeah, it. and it's also because it's adding presence zero distance, right? Like it's right. literally a sacred site builder and yes. nothing else, yeah. basically. So it's awkward to it's even awkward try to presence, use. But yeah. it's like at least with with Doctor Fear, it's like you just want to get the presence down. The fact yeah. that you have your most essential growth, the real reclaim cards growth, yeah. doesn't get you any presence. It, it does make a big difference because yeah. I mean you are going to spend. You are going to be playing two cards yeah. every round, so that means like you're you are going to run out. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Let's talk about opening moves though. Let's just get into the specifics of it. Now these are this this opening is the whole internet thinks that this is what you should do. Uh, it's not just me. <laughs> everyone it's agrees. The whole everyone kind of agrees. Hey, mine's going to be the same. This we have two solved spirits today. <laughs> yeah. Uh. I just think in general openings for Spirit Island are like when we get to the openings part, it's more about us reporting. <laughs> what everyone has agreed yeah. on because it's not like we infinite. are not the smart folks that figured yeah. this stuff out well, yeah if anything spirit island has a bit of a chess uh, aspect yeah. to it except for it's not well actually no it's not even like chess it's more like uh chess if there's like two options yeah. uh, <laughs> so first you start with growth three um it, you take a minor power um and then you get some presence down 
cards that you could play on turn one that makes sense are Dreams of the Dahan and Predatory Nightmares. Dreams is going to let you gather Dahan to return fire on that turn two Ravage. Uh-huh. Uh, because remember, there's not a Ravage on turn one. Um, and then Predatory is going to let you move a built town to a useless land um, and uh, hopefully move even more Dahan to somewhere. Because remember, it, it comes with that push Dahan mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a little fear. That's nice. Sure. Uh, they're, you know, they're, you're going to select a land where it's like, oh, they are going to build something there. But at least I can turn it into just a settler, you yeah. know, instead of it being a settler, a town, and then eventually a city. We mm-hmm. don't want cities. We don't want to see cities at all. Yeah. Um, they're nice for generating fear. They're not really nice for anything else. Yeah. And don't forget to flip over that first fear card and take a look at it because that is going to be your first target uh, for, hey, uh, I unlocked this. Uh, good job, me, and yeah. good for everybody. Good Give for everybody a chance to plan around a, a much bigger benefit they can earn. Yeah, and a lot of the tier one fear cards are not great. It's not going to be like mind-blowing, yeah, sure. but it's also critical in the early stage of the game to make use of every little advantage that yeah, you have. Right. Um, and then for turn two, we go growth four. Uh, that's the one where you get to place basically presence everywhere, mm-hmm. wherever. Um, and you get that two extra energy. As far as powers to play for turn two, um, uh, we've got two left. We've also got a minor. And I mean, if the minor is good, you like, feel free to throw right. it in or whatever. But um, that's, you know, that's kind of up to you to figure that out. Okay. I can't just like come to your game. <laughs> um, Dread Apparitions makes a lot of sense. That's the one that lets us defend the Dahan we have positioned. Uh, so we've moved them hopefully to a good spot. And then we're saying we're going to generate some fear here. And we're going to add a little bit of de- defense. Hopefully, yeah. if it's enough, it, uh, hopefully it is enough defense. I don't know that it will be. Um, that's just kind of how it go yeah. sometimes. Um, and then the most important part is we play Call on Midnight's Dream. Pick up our major. I'm yeah. talking turn two. We're taking a major. Uh, hoping that it's like a solid one. Uh, I don't know that it will be, but hope- hopefully it will be uh, something good. And if you can afford it, which you probably can't, but maybe you can. We'll hope that you can. Um, then yeah, you play it and you have an excellent start to your game. Yeah. If you don't, then you're basically going to be planning your whole game around this early major that you've yeah. taken. Hopefully it does a lot of damage. Uh, and we're thinking maybe turn four, you probably are playing okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe even turn three, if you end up generating enough energy for it. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, whatever, uh, mostly at this point, you're going to have either turn three, uh, reclaim all your cards or a turn four, reclaim all your cards. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on what you drew as that first minor and what you end up getting as the major. Right. Um, if you draw a really cheap minor that's useful, uh, and then you do ha- have enough money have for the major, major, then that's an excellent turn three right. as well. Um, but it, yeah, it just depends on what you drew, uh, and we are highly like dependent on that. Yeah. Um, I'll say this too. You do not have to forget Call on Midnight's Dream uh, to pick up the major. You only do that if right. you want to play it immediately. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I would keep Call on Midnight's Dream mm-hmm. in order to use that as Next. to get even another major <laughs> right. eventually. Right. Um, because also, what's nice about Call on Midnight's Dream is that it does have that or of if invaders are present uh, to fear, which goes really nicely with Dread Apparitions in general, mm-hmm. uh, which causes defense per fear. Right. So that's three, that's three defense that we can pull off with those two cards. But that is using two cards for just three defense, yeah. which is not my favorite, but right. they, I don't know. It's also fear. Um, so yeah, that, those are the openings. From there, it really is about what you ended up with. Um, and we can talk about minors and majors real quick. 
Um, we are not, we, I'm so glad, or I don't know if you are at this point, but, um, I feel like we're really past the point where we try to list every single yeah, card in no the, way. it's, it's, it's become about categories and it's become about ideas. Um, once I, once I put all of it together, yeah. all, all three expansions, I realized that there was a fool's errand. Yeah. <laughs> There's 10,000 cards and you will never plan around any card that ever comes up to you. <laughs> right. But honestly, like to me, especially with this spirit today, it's really obvious what yeah, we're looking for. Right. right. Like if it's, if we're talking about miners, uh, we'd love some extra defense that's not so complicated. Uh huh. Um, so that our Dahan can can actually clear, and so that we're not like yeah. begging. Well, and you need defense in other spots, right? The whole problem is yeah. uh, our our ability that adds some defense is still only to one place, and it's only fear generated in that one place. Yeah. So you're like sort of isolating so much. But yeah, it, it makes sense that we definitely need more defense elsewhere. Right. Um. Anything with like more Dahan utility, yeah. I would say, is pretty decent. Right. Uh. More anything that is uh pushing and gathering. Uh, is going to go well with our uh, like ability to just manage how badly it's going in our lands. Mm -hmm. Don't don't get me wrong. This is like a I think this is a great spirit, but like that that problem of not being able to eliminate anyone is like that's not really going to go away. And right. fact, that's going to compound, and you're going to get a little panicky, and then suddenly you're just going to win the game. That's kind of what it looks like. Right. But uh, destroy abilities are decent, um, but a lot of miners don't do quite enough damage for it to matter to us, if that makes sense. Um, and anything that just causes more fear as a miner is also excellent um, and will go neatly with our fear defense yeah. uh, thing. Majors, I feel like I've already kind of talked about. Um, we're looking for the big nukes, the ones that do a lot of damage, or we're looking for the ones that just d generate a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. I prefer a lot of damage. because Stick damages, to the script, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything that does a lot of damage means you're getting a lot of fear because yeah. you get fear at a greater number right. than everybody else Fear is destroying just keep, stuff. Fear generation is just keeping even. Yeah. Damage generation is actually your advantage. Yeah, and I, you get to push the settlers and the right. towns. Don't forget that. Right. And so anytime you're talking big spikes, we're talking, okay, well, I'm going to move you to the worst land that uh that i can for yeah. you for uh our benefit or for the benefit of uh not having more blight mm -hmm. in my section because there's gonna be there's gonna be some blight it's gonna happen yeah right um but yeah basically in conclusion uh i love this spirit i had a lot of fun playing them uh they're they're a sprinter uh they're they're the fear deck is a utility for them that will get you thinking about the fear deck in a way that you probably did not before you mm -hmm. played a, a spirit, either this one or one like it. Yeah. Um, it it's the fear deck is not like a silver bullet though. It like, sure. It will let you down. There will be times you'll be like that effect is not helpful to yeah. us at all right, right now or, or is helpful, but just only minor. It only helps for like one player or something like yeah. that. But if you stack it up, it really kind of starts to get really out of mm -hmm. control. Mm -hmm. um, the cost uh, is really that your growth is like kind of slow, and we really want to avoid reclaiming, which kind of becomes this whole game in and of itself of being like, uh, can I go one more turn without having to do that and get more yeah. of, that, of that energy growth going? Um, and you just got to make sure to really communicate with your teammates because yeah. they got to know like how bad it's getting over there in order to help you because a lot of times your teammates depending on what difficulty level you're at, your teammates not, might not have a lot of extra juice in order to manage yeah. your section. Uh, I played with EJ, uh, and uh, he was playing as uh, the big one of the big rock factions, not Vital yeah. Strength to Earth, but the one that kind of just like, he was playing as Stone's Unyielding Defense, mm -hmm. which was kind of a great combo, because he was basically just able to be like, 
yeah, so blight, I don't really care about it, and I will blight my land as much as, uh, <laughs> as whatever. Um, and I'll just think about your stuff. And I'm like, wow, that that ended exactly up working what out I need. really, really well. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just got to make sure that your teammates are right, that you're working with the right spirits, and, and that you're communicating with them. But like currently, I would say, uh, I know there's, you know, you were telling me there's some people that, that don't like this spirit so much. I haven't played, at this point, I haven't played that many spirits. Sure. Uh, but I really liked it. Yeah. I think it might be my favorite spirit right now. I think it's I think it's the big time experts of this game that stop liking uh, Bringer because t- I've I the the one or two times I've seen them I thought it was cool too and I think the key here is for new players that balance of like hey please help me and also you don't have a lot to think about as Bringer you can play two cards <laughs> your innates are just like yes and then fear happens there's yeah. not there's not. Yeah some big higher power to consider here, which means you're actually sitting there with the rest of the table being like, well, I definitely need some of my stuff worked out, which means I'm going to keep an eye on everybody else's powers and stuff. And I think you become a, a bigger team player. It's less about uh, your spirit's contributions. Your spirit's contributions are speeding up that game. And then you as a player, it feels like you get to contribute more yeah. to the whole yeah. of just like, let me get involved in everybody's strategies. Whereas like my my... If I have an issue with Spirit Island, it's so often I get so overwhelmed by my own just little mechanisms that I don't Mm -hmm. even get to see what other people are doing. I I miss out on how we are blending these things together. I don't know the game well enough, whereas Bringer gets to kind of like, well, I'm I'm just doing fear over there. But how can I help y'all figure out what's kind of a good synergy over here or something? Yeah. And also, like, I mean, you need help, but you're also like, I mean, it's you. You are so helpful to everyone else. Exactly. That I feel like there's a nice symbiotic relationship happening between you and the other players like i never felt like oh i'm being really needy it was more like all right come on help me out because i'm about to win this we're gonna do this if you just make sure i don't die right now we are gonna run out the clock on these fools if you just manage (laughs) my stuff for a second that's all you gotta do yeah i think that's probably why i like it because you kind of get to be the selfish little baby (laughs) bringer bringer of dreams and nightmares is like the, this is a weird thing to say. The woman at the bar who can kick all your friends' butts, she just needs you to hold your her purse. Like, yeah. y- y'all are out together. She's going to win this fight, but, like, you need to hold this for her so that yeah. she can go do that. Yeah. I think of it more like Boss Baby, though. <laughs> I, I get where you're going with it, yeah. but I'm, I, I'm playing it like Boss Baby, and I'm like, I have a stinky diapy and I'm in charge. You know what I mean? I uh change me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's my just, attitude. Just change me and we'll be good. That with Dr. Fear. That's I'm looking hilarious. at my friends and I'm saying, change me. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's do a quick break and then we'll talk about river surges in sunlight. Welcome back. I have a name for you uh, for this one. Yes. Hunter, your challenge what was you to got? come up with an, uh, a new name for River Sun- yeah, Surgeon yeah. and Sunlight. Well, you actually did the name for the, the other the, one, too. The problem. But... Well, okay. But uh, the, we, we found it together. That was oh, yeah. that was a, that was an improv moment, uh-huh, right? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Fear definitely sounds like one of mine, you know? <laughs> uh, I think uh, River Surges and Sunlight, apt to the thematics of what the name makes you think about, is Canoe Trip. <laughs> Canoe trip. This is canoe trip. This is a good. This is just a ding dang good time with your friends. Uh-huh. All of the emotions that just like we're here. It's gonna be relaxing. Oh, it's gonna be fun. 
It's going it, to be chill. We're not going to worry too much. I mean, isn't that kind of... I'm not too worried about the surge part. The surge part of River Surge and the Sunlight is you win the game. Is <laughs> the wow. end of the game. The surge is, and then we're done. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is a chill time. This is uh, probably one of the best spirits in the game, turns out. What if we called it Rhysis? <laughs> what do you think about calling it Rhysis, though? Do you like uh, that? Yeah, it's great. Like Isis. Yeah. <laughs> Except well, it's it's rice. Except for it's a river. Yeah. Right. We're yeah. Just, we're just doing that. Rices. Okay. Well, it's it's if you look at the acronym. Yeah. You know, the acronym. We, the R and Boy. the I and river and it's then S I S. Rices. Boy, it's so evocative. You know, like a, like ISIS. <laughs> the more you say it, the better it gets. Yeah. 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 So I mean, that's that's kind. Of, that's where my head yeah. is at. But no, I I got you. That's I, fine. Well, no, yours as, is good. Canoe trip. That's as, good. It rolls right off the tongue. As rices. As racist, there's not a lot of lore here. Uh, it's really, I mean, it genuinely is, you are a glacier in the mountains that then melts to become a big old river. So Whoa. don't forget, that's part, you are in the sunlight because the sunlight melts the ice and the ice becomes the water. Uh, and you're super chill with the Dahan. You like them a lot and they like you a lot because you uh, like our water and water's good, right? Water makes plants grow. Water's this good. is just such a good time vibes spirit across the board. Everything about it is just like, hey, listen, it's going to be all right. Yeah, dude. I We're love rice. <laughs> <laughs> Our setup is a single presence in the highest number wetlands, uh, which sounds like it would be like a problem because it's just one. It's only one. We start with one single thing on the board. Oh, boy. But uh, we have a special ability, which is River's Domain, which is that our presence in wetlands counts as a sacred site. So we Yummy. actually we start with a sacred site on the board ready to go and it only costs us a single presence. Uh part of our goals I would say is to yeah, get into those wetlands cuz we have decent enough range that wherever these wetlands, especially if you're playing on the balanced board, this is definitely a spirit that likes the balanced boards. Yeah, yeah. On the thematic boards, the wetlands might all be together and that would be super awkward, I would say, for for this spirit. Uh, -oh. uh because you're if it with the perfectly spread out wetlands, you suddenly just cover everything just by getting to those wetlands or whatever. Heck uh, yeah. So our innate ability we just have one a very simple uh spirit board here today on the front side it's just massive flooding and uh the, it's a slow power with one range away from sacred sites but again we're like kind of decent about getting sacred sites on the board uh and we can target any land there's no other restrictions besides uh the the range and for one sun and two water we push either an explorer or a town that's whatever for two sun and three water, instead, deal two damage and push three uh, explorers or towns. That is a massive That's power boost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? It gets even bigger with three sun, four water, and a single mountain. We instead deal two damage to every single invader Ooh. in a territory. Mm. And if you read that thing before... We've also spent a lot of the game before this moment of doing our level three and eight, doing lots of pushing. So just to get it out of the way, our goal is to use this level three and eight because it's possibly one of the most singularly powerful abilities in the entire game. Yeah. Uh, because we can, throughout the process of the game, push every single invader into a single territory and then we drop a nuke and we mm. instantly kill every explorer, yeah. every town. Right. And we deal two damage to every city. Right. Which means if we can do any extra chip damage. Right. 
we just killed the entire space on the board. Yeah, we're finishing cities off with one additional with damage. With one damage, basically. yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's ridiculous. Uh, I played a game with Def Piper, who's very, very good at this game. I say I played a game as Def Piper. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I watched Def Piper play this spirit and her own spirit, <laughs> Yeah, which is great, by the way. This is not a complaint, uh, because what happened was we didn't resolve a single feel fear card. Wow. We we killed everything before the first fear card could even be Jeez. resolved. We had we had earned it and then did not get to the step of revealing it before we had won the game. Let me just say something about Def Piper. <laughs> Def Piper is so good at board games that I find it kind of useless. You know what I mean? Like you, there's no point in playing games with her anymore like besides if, to watch the show. If I tried to break down what Def Piper is doing, I think it would make you worse at the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like I'm like I don't think you would get better at yeah. it yeah. thinking about what Def is doing because right. I'm not sure you can. I didn't learn much except for the full raw potential of this spirit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's how always what learn, it is. I didn't that's learn all you can learn to from get Deft there. Right. Is oh, you could that's a possibility. <laughs> right. You can do that too. Amazing. <laughs> uh our growths, uh I've given names to them because that was always my promise. I want to give I want to give names to these growths because I hate saying growth one, growth two, growth three. Uh and I came up with some, but then I noticed in the pre-rata people were also providing their ideas. And Absol, I absolutely loved each of your names. They were all better than anything I came up with. So here, here's Absol's suggested names. And and hey, shout out to everybody else who provided names too. They were all good. But like, I really think Absol's get to the to the spirit here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order though. Uh, our our third one, I'm call, or Absol is calling Wellspring. And this is to add a presence up to two away and to gain a card. The idea here is this is the this is our maximum range of where we can place presence. Yeah, yeah. This is a new wellspring has come up from the ground. We've we've found a new pool and we've gained some new powers from it. Right. This is this is just a, a new sort of presence on the board that feels unique and on its own. Uh, a wellspring. Our second growth is rapids. It's just two presents, one space away each. This is just dump, get, get, fill out your presence track and get into the deep powers really yeah. quickly. This is a big focus of our early game is doing this one to just make the most of our presence track. So we're a big time rapids thing. If anything, actually the problem is we're not going to do Wellspring very much at all, even though it's a cool thematic name for what would be a good ability. Yeah, yeah. It's not something we actually um, maybe ever down. need. Uh, two presents out is hard to beat, and our third option, uh, Absol is calling Ice Melt, which does kind of everything else we need to do, which is to reclaim all of our cards, which mm -hmm. everybody has to have that, gain a power card when we do that, so get all of our hand back, and a new one, and an energy. Yeah. Uh, so it's very much the, like, we're not doing anything out on the board during this, but we are re renewing ourselves with vigor. We're, we're melting the ice so that the next turn the water can cascade back down the mountain again. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's also not throwing any presents down, but with rapids, it's like who cares? Right, you're I'll getting get two yeah. presents down on uh the growth you're probably going to use the most. Absolutely, right? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're daisy chaining, like you have no issues. Adding one presence, one away for each of them means you're adding one, one away, and one, two away from where you started, one away from the new one. You like, and you're getting the free sacred sites on on wetlands right. yeah, too. Exactly. The second you get one down in a wetlands, it's like that's also another presence you don't have to put exactly. down. It's yeah. it's a huge it's a huge boon, uh, yeah. and it's and it's really wild. Let's well, talk. That's a good economy. <laughs> it's a very good economy. So so much so that you're going to see what why the spirit is almost so broken. Uh, we our presence tracks. Uh, we're going to talk about energy and then we're never going to talk about it again. Turns out uh, this is this is a big time bottom track 
uh, nice. spirit. It's one energy, then two, then two, then three, then four, then four, then five. We could go real deep and we could earn a lot more power, but this one is going to be all about the card plays because again, that level three innate is the biggest deal in the world. That is yeah. too much damage to pass up. Right. Which means it, with it needing four water, like you need to be able to play four cards. Yeah. You, you have to be able to do that. Right. Right. Neither right. of our presence tracks have bonus elements in them. So our number one goal is getting to where we can have Four, four water, three sun, one yeah. mountain. Yeah. Uh, so our card play track is one card, then two, then two, then three, then reclaim one, which is actually a huge deal, then four, then five. So we're just, again, if you look at it, it takes us three turns to fill out that whole thing. Yeah, we can yeah. do, we wow. can do add two presents and we are done. We've, we've gotten all the card draw we need. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, so it's it's a it's a really synergistic combo that is going to do a lot for us. We will talk about the opening. Uh, it was described many times to me that this is like a pretty solved opening. Although there are people with some fun different ideas. I want to shout out to Dredge who had kind of like a different take on what you can accomplish as rivers and had like math to back it up. Uh, I won't be detailing it in this guide, but if you go to the Discord, uh, maybe we can have Dredge repost it in this episode channel as opposed to just the pre-errata, and we can like pin that stuff. I love pinning other takes on. Uh, these spirit openings in those channels. But let's talk about our unique power cards and how they contribute to all of this. Our first one is a Boon of Vigor. It is a zero-cost fast card that targets any player. It gives you a sun and a water and a plant for some reason. Don't need the plant, don't care, but sun and water is great. Uh, if you target yourself, gain one energy, but you'll never do that if you're playing with more than one player because you're going to target another spirit. They gain one energy per power card they played this turn that that's really good honestly i just said you'll never use the top one you will like your first turn you'll probably take that energy for yourself turn one just to boost your turn two yeah yeah uh, but beyond that everybody else loves that energy and you aren't you're gonna do okay your second ability is flash floods it is a two cost fast card with one range into any land and it is also a sun and a water which is handy uh it's a very simple card though it's just one damage but if the land is coastal you do one additional damage and it's important to note that that's, I mean, it's it's two procs of damage. I mean, that's, that's kind of how damage always works. But uh, this card, as we noted earlier, uh, let's say we pushed all of our stuff into a coastal land throughout the course of the game. And then we do our big massive floods nuke and we just need a little bit of chip damage. Guess what? This card by itself kills two cities. There you go. <laughs> so uh, you go. it's decent for like early and mid game little chip damage. But this is actually a critical step to uh, our finishing move because it's not like you generally have more than like two or three cities in your big final stack once you've done it there's not that many cities on the board right. so this is you know this plus our innate and then the other uh, elements we need is enough to like wipe like do a board wipe essentially <laughs> uh our third ability is river's bounty it is a zero cost slow card with zero range, so it only targeting our lands with presence, and uh, that can be any kind of land, though. And this is a sun, a water. You're noticing a theme? They're all sun and water. Uh, and then this one also has an animal in it, but uh, that's uh, we don't use that, uh, but it's fine that it exists. Uh, our ability is to gather up to two Dahan. If there are now at least two Dahan, so if we opted to actually drag in two Dahan, or if there was one already there and we drag oh, in one, we this. add a Dahan and Beautiful. gain an energy. Beautiful. Adding Dahan is such a clutch move. It's so good. That is sick. Yeah. That's sick. <laughs> and, and if you think about it too, what you've done is no matter what, if you're using this to its full purpose, which you always should, 
you are generating an area with three Dahan in it. Like you are, you are making sure there's an area with three Dahan. Yeah. I'll note and I'll spoil what the fourth card is that, that there's we have no defense. So we are a little bit protective of Dahan, but we also have this idea of, well, it's okay if you burn a Dahan every once in a while. You're just going to get them back. Right. <laughs> like you, you, right. you bring them back from the dead, basically. Right. Right. So Dahan become a little bit more of a resource when River is in the game, uh, if you need it to be, basically. Obviously, you'd love to keep all the Dahan around as much as you can, but every once in a while, uh, and especially there's like a specific early game strategy where it's like, we're probably going to lose one, but that's okay. It's going to pay off in the end. Uh, yeah, th this ability is incredible. Um, it is mostly limited by its range, but again, we get presents all over the board really fast. Uh, so it should be fine. And I'll note too, its range is not that big of a deal because what you're doing is a gather, right? Its right. range is this thing, but we're affecting like multiple territories, bringing the Dahan into one spot that matters or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really love River's Bounty. Our last uh, unique power is Wash Away. It is a one cost slow card with a range of one that targets any land. Uh, it is a water. It is not a sun, but it does provide our critical earth yeah. that we need. The, yeah. the one earth we need for our level three innate. The only other way to do it would be to find some card in, uh, in gaining minor powers. But wash away is critical to unlocking the big boost. And slowly it pushes up to three explorers or towns, uh, which is... A big deal because again this is part of our setup in previous turns mm -hmm. to then do it i'll i will note it's you know you would do this push stuff in but that next turn you might not be doing uh the big innate because you just spent this card although just kidding uh the big critical part of our strategy is later on we're going to reclaim our our whole hand every single turn <laughs> every turn we just reclaim and dump our hand and reclaim and dump our hand and Gross. reclaim and dump our Gross. hand it becomes such a simple thing and guess what you do every time you do that whole reclaim and dump you do your level three and eight so uh everything's gonna turn out a-okay so the level three and eight is essentially the the move yeah the only move you, the only really, move we're doing that you're doing all the other cards you're playing are like well that's i'll figure out what i do with them but we're gonna we're gonna do our level three and eight, yeah actually yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> you are you feel like a god you are you're a spirit you're a <laughs> spiritual god but you this is the one spirit that really feels like it. this one makes you feel yeah. like a god yeah <laughs> yeah. it definitely does it's because i'm it's not just when you do the massive spike of damage we have wash away moving a ton of stuff we have river's bounty moving a ton of dahan where we need to move them to kill stuff and we have even just our level two and eight which is very easy to unlock is also pushing three explorers uh like three invaders every turn so even when we're not doing the nuke we are absolutely dancing the invaders where we don't need them to like we right. prevent builds like nobody's business right we just get everything out of every area that's about to build so yeah we don't have like the easiest tool to deal with cities once they do get built but guess what cities don't really get built on your watch right. too much right. <laughs> so uh yeah th this this spirit is just incredibly good it's good by itself and it's made even better by most factions it's made into a stupid broken combo by a handful of spirits there, there are some spirits where it's just like oh yeah you, you two are gonna win turn four like with the without even thinking about yeah. it it's just gonna be easy uh, again that's what happened to us. we were playing level we were playing max level i think it's sweden sweden is the one that kind of fits perfectly into what this is like sweden is all about like stacking even more stuff right but it was my first game at like a max level thing and we still dispatched them like it was nothing. Like it was just a perfect combo to destroy them with, with ease. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, so let's talk about what our opening moves are 
to uh, to do this. And I, I'd like to shout out to Stads for providing this, but also even at Stads' own uh, sort of admission, this is just... This is what the people say. Yeah. This is what we do. This is what the people do. And, and I'll reiterate here, Dredge, if you're out there, please post. And maybe I'll just copy and paste your stuff, too, and, and credit you. But I really liked Dredge's plan. I just don't want to detail it because it gets really in the weeds of, like, where the numbers <laughs> end up. Uh, that's, right. that's definitely Dredge's thing, is Dredge likes to investigate uh, the math of playing abilities well, and, and the power that it costs. And you know our slogan, <laughs> Space Cats. It's for the dummies. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? We're not here for that clever stuff. The stuff get too smart, and we're like, that ain't what Space mm-hmm. Cat's about. That ain't what yep. we do. So Stads is here to provide us the dumb take. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's a very, very simple process. I'm just going to detail the uh, the growths first, and then we'll talk about like what cards are getting played within that turn. So you literally Rapids, then second turn Rapids, and that gets us to our Reclaim 1. Okay. And then our in the bottom track. Th- yeah. uh, in the bottom track, we're ready to reclaim our third turn. Even though we just earned that reclaim, uh, we are going to ice melt and still do a big reclaim. Okay. And then, uh, well, because the, what we're using is the reclaim one we're using on our second turn, right? Because okay. we've just unlocked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round uh, turn three, we reclaim everything, do the gain a power card, gain an energy. Then we do one more rapids. This is the only one where it's like you could also. This is where you might sneak in a wellspring, uh, just be d- depending on kind of a, your exact needs. Right. Uh, but you might as well do rapids to get to the fifth uh, card play. The point being, you only need to do one more to get to that four cards played per turn. Regardless, then we ice melt forever and ever and ever. Wow. Uh, amen. Wow. <laughs> so let's. So look. you're just playing all four of your cards just yeah. for the level three and eight. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Over and over. The again. rest of it, you don't even care about. So it's so it's so funny to me in playing more Spirit Island that it feels like there's like kind of two types of spirits. Yeah. The spirits that are like, let's draw some power cards. Let's see what we get. Let's play <laughs> along with the deck. And then the spirits that are like. Oh, what is? Oh, yeah, whatever. Like yeah. You, they draw a card and they're just like, ah, that's not. Part of <laughs> this my, is not a not thing. Part of my thing. The kit here works. Actually. I got my kit and yeah. I'm gonna kind of just stay here. <laughs> I feel good at. I feel comfortable at home. Yeah, what's, I like to stay in. What's There's hilarious? The, I like to stay in. Yeah. spirits. What's hilarious in this is like by the time, like you can win the game turn five or six. Like with with like yeah, you yeah. could if things work out and it's a low enough difficulty level on turn five when you do your uh your level three and eight yeah that might just be the end yeah that, that might that, just be that could we're do done uh i watched a video online of someone showing showcasing a solo guide for this and it was like turn six it was like the turn it's like you do this and then you have one round to clean up oh go kill those extra explorers yeah. and then they're done or whatever bam what you'll note here is we like the 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 drawback to all of this is we're not killing any time up until the point we kill everything right yeah yeah so there is like i said earlier no fear generation there right. is no defense yeah yeah we're gonna blight there's gonna the land we put everything on we've sacrificed that for yeah. the cost yeah yeah <laughs> everything goes there it dies it probably cascades a couple times maybe yeah, even yeah. if yeah, it's yeah. if if we've like really misjudged like so it looks bad it looks really bad and then we just clean it and all then up. it's over yeah <laughs> uh so let's talk about the cards that get played on these turns though because it's kind of uh important to to how all of this works so turn one 
We place two. We we spread them out, I would say. The two presents that go down are hitting two different territories. Yeah. We're trying to get as much range as we possibly can. Right. Uh, and we well, because eventually we're not going to be placing any more Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Eventually we're just going to be reclaiming our cards <laughs> yes, and being exactly like, yeah, right. whatever presents we have down, I hope that yeah. was good. Yeah. What's hilarious of you even bringing that up is we're probably sacrificing a presence in these early rounds too. Yeah, and probably. we still don't care. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to be blighting yeah. quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we play Wash Away to do some early pushing get the stuff where it needs to go and we play rivers bounty uh because that's going to give us some extra energy we're setting up for turn two right we're getting the dahan where they need to be for that turn two yeah yeah uh what you call it uh the ravage the ravage the, the turn you. two ravage yeah, yeah so we're pushing and gathering dahan for a massive ravage yeah we're doing the slow power so that we can set up for turn two yeah yeah and then turn two uh we also notably gain an energy from that which means that bonus energy is actually critical because we're not doing anything on our top track for bonus energy, right? right? So we are limited to one energy per turn. Uh, but luckily, we've spent none. Or we've spent a single energy turn one. Turn two, we will have exactly two energy at right. our disposal. Right. Which is why we will then play Flash Floods and Boon of Vigor. And we gained one more card. We did a reclaim of one. Mm -hmm. And we reclaim our other zero cost card because we can't. We don't have enough money for wash away. Right. But we're playing Boon of Vigor a second time, Flash Flo or B Boon of Vigor a first time, Rivers Bounty a second time, Flash Floods our first time, Boon of Vigor and Rivers Bounty both grant us one more energy again if we want them to, or we can donate. Oh the man, energy it looks like they to someone else. They hit the energy in the power cards. You don't even need <laughs> the top track. Have, you don't need the top track when all your energy is in your cards. Uh, and at this point, your whole board should be covered by sacred sites. And and specifically what I mean by this is our abilities, like our, our massive flooding is one range from sacred sites. Yeah. We started in one wetlands. We expedited. We yeah. expedite to the other wetlands. And then that turn two, two presents, probably either both go in one more territory or in one new territory, but we're getting a third uh, sacred site somewhere else. Your goal right. being to make sure every territory on your board is within range of, of a sacred, sacred site. site. So you yeah. are you're spreading out. There's no reason to put two adjacent to each other if you right. can help it. Right. So so the two wetlands and whatever is not getting quite covered by those two wetlands needs to get that that third sacred site. Right. And then literally no matter what, you can handle any issue on your entire board. Yeah. Uh so turn 3, this is where I think Dredge had the most pushback, but the the common idea is turn 3 is a bit of a sandbag uh because you're reclaiming your cards and you're playing as little as possible because your entire plan is for on turn four to do the level three and eight, which means you cannot overspend your mountains or your waters yeah. for the most part, right? Yeah. You, you need to have enough. So whatever you're playing on turn three, it's just not affecting. You might just play the minor car power card you gained and like, that's it, basically. Yeah, Because yeah. uh, you're saving up your hand for turn four. Right. Uh, gain some energy. Don't impact the board too much. It might not. It, it might be a rough turn potentially, but it's all okay because turn four we add our two more presents. Probably, maybe we do the wellspring here to gain another power card and just add one presence two away. But you dump your hand. You do the level three and eight. You've cleared so much of the stuff you spent the first three turns pushing. Right. And then, like we said, from here on out. Whatever you just did to do that dump, you do it over and over and over it again. Uh, the only limit here is if you didn't optimally sp spread your presence. So if anything, I would say your priority in this early game is less on dealing with concerns of the mm -hmm. table mm -hmm. and just get your presence where it needs to be without hopefully dying. Uh, wow. 
there's usually like a sacrifice sacrificial presence that you have access to like whatever you daisy chained to get to the other wetlands that one in between it's probably okay if it dies how much energy do you need to play all of your unique unique powers is it four or three you three three bucks to play all of your new unique powers. Wow. a zero a zero a two and a one is and and those so that four top track cards, is just a trick yeah that's absolutely. not even yeah. that that is that was a trick laid there by the designers yep, yep. to to maybe oh man, maybe you'll do this exactly right? you need three energy you gain one per turn and then your two cards give you three give you two more energy yeah <laughs> and then turn. if you're doing ice meld then you're actually gaining an energy, energy on exactly. top. That's why. That's when Boon of Vigor gets to actually be a donation to somebody else to right. go do even more. Right. Uh, so all you need is three energy per in order for your whole kit to work, and they hid them in the cards. Yep. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, do not use the top track. <laughs> top track is a trick. It's a trap. It doesn't make any sense. I have sense. some questions. <laughs> I have an email, a sternly written email to send. This is it's ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's really funny. Uh, there, there is some room for the occasional wellspring or rapids if you haven't already beaten the game on turn six. If if yeah. if it's like a really, really, really tough one. Here's my big thing to people. I urge you with this one with rapids. Let this be your fourth or fifth game of Spirit Island, and let this be when you really, truly decide to crank up that difficulty. Yeah, crank see, up that dial. See what you can do. Because I, I, I think Hunter and I have been saying this for a number of weeks, which is that like, you can spend a number of games being afraid of how much diffi more difficult it could get. But then you're like, but wait, actually, we just won without even it. In the end, the, Dude, yeah. the end, the win was much faster than we thought. Yeah. And it's, it's actually critical to realize that you can turn that dial up quite a bit and, and probably be still okay. And if anything... You learn so much more about the game when you lose, right? Than when you win. When you win, right. you're like, ah, I don't even know what we could have been doing wrong. It's hard I to think, see. I think that one of the things that makes Spirit Island difficult to learn is that, in general, when a game gives me negative feedback, yeah. when it tells me that I'm losing, it makes me think that I'm going to lose, as in that will be my final end state. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If a game is like you're losing a little bit, uh -huh. I'm like, oh, that probably means I'll lose the whole thing. Not in Spirit Island. Yeah, right. Spirit Island will be like, you messed up there, you messed up there, you messed up there, and then two turns later, it's like, oh, you did it. You nice won. job. You're <laughs> yeah. so smart. Exactly. And I love you. And it's just like, you have to realize that that's kind of how Spirit Island yep. is. It pushes you around yep. a little bit. It'll say Definitely. like, you messed up here so bad, you right. are so naughty right now, but yeah. secretly, you're actually winning. Yeah. Well, and with, with Rivers, I think Rivers, River Surges in Sunlight, sorry, Rises, is uh, so good at teaching this uh, lesson is because... You'll win way too easily early on with them if you're not cranking the difficulty up. I do want to I want to caveat that a little bit. I played a couple games with River where I didn't understand the combo enough yet. Right. So I don't fault anybody for like not fully seeing through that and realizing like, oh, I just have the whole kit right here yeah, and everything's yeah. gonna be yeah. a-okay. Yeah. But like the other big thing is, like I said, realizing where my presence truly needed to be was a big lesson I took away. And I only right. finally learned that lesson when I was like losing because I wasn't dealing with cities like at all. I wasn't getting the stuff gathered where it needed to be. But the second I started playing games where my presence was really well spread, it was suddenly significantly easier to gather all of the, the stuff exactly where it needed to be and then drop the nuke two turns in a row or whatever. I actually think we would be pretty bad like the the Rysus and Dr. Fear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I maybe I do like these nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe if we like keep this going, it will be pretty uh -huh. fun. But Doctor Fear and Rysis, I'm not sure how good companions they would be because I think to me it sounds like Rysis would end the game 
And Dr. Fear would ever be over there being like, Hey, we got some fears that you don't want to You want to see fear? my fear cards? You don't want to, you don't want to win via fear? Yeah. And, wow. and Rice is just like, nah, we ate, we eat them all up. <laughs> we eat them up. Well, I will say the one thing that can happen is, uh, especially at lower skill levels, which I'm still, I'm like, I'm accusing myself of this being my main problem when I, when I struggle, especially this was happening. I was like playing on the app, uh, trying to get in just extra reps or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And there can be a difficulty in managing the explorers. Yeah. I said, we have a really good way of like, preventing builds and we can actually prevent cities but i had i had one game where there were just like two cities in awkward spots that i just never handled well i never got a grip on them i never got stuff where i needed to be get a grip and then the other one was like the explorers were so evenly spread that i like it's not i can i can push three explorers but that's from one place if they're just completely spread out they suddenly become very hard to like wrangle mm -hmm. and it feels like every turn you're hurting cats where you're like i killed those two and then three more popped over there and i killed those two and it's like I understand when a river game gets away from you because they're so singularly focused on this one big massive nuke that like all the other little piddly stuff where you're like, well, I'm not going to worry about that explorer over there. Well, that's the one thing preventing you from actually locking up this win because again, you've generated no fear. You need to win with a board wipe yeah. <laughs> or you need to win with a city and, and town wipe. Yeah. And it that can be where you fall behind because you're also kind of letting your island maybe burn down a little bit in the process right. which means the the race it's having with you is expedited they're getting to their blight out much quicker i, I had two games blight out uh, yeah on me and i think that would probably happen with dr fear as yeah. well because dr fear is also Blighting. saying well it's gonna blight here yeah, I, yeah. I mean i can't i can only push so many times it's not like i can just juggle them to right. lands i've made up right or something right yeah, but I think your I think our two pushes together would then extend that range of like, yeah, I'm actually I could do more pushing, but I just need to push this one more explorer to where it needs to be yeah. to, to drop the nuke next turn or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about powers. We we do gain some powers throughout the game, right? We're mostly adding two presents per turn, but then there's a point at which we start gaining more powers. Um. I would say our priority, again, as we've expressed, we've got the elements in our kit yeah yeah I, I, that is actually the lowest priority is getting more of the element sure, that sure. we need the number one thing we need is more of that chip damage yeah we don't and not nukes too this is why i also am not too concerned you're not really a major power i'm not guy. much of a major power yeah, guy you don't unless, have the energy for it yeah that's yeah. for sure but even if i did it would be a major power that's like do one damage in this and every adjacent land or something sure, like sure. that or whatever uh, i mean not to say like a, a massive like a five extra damage if you had like a really bad city spot like that's okay that's going to pick off those five cities or whatever but more importantly than anything yeah i just want like two more abilities that are like one or two damage and for free right yeah, i want i want a free single damage card and that'd be great to throw into the mix basically um that's what helps us finish off uh the cities from massive flooding uh, then my next priority is like Dahan interactions. More right. more moving Dahan around to help with ravages in that's how we deal with wherever we're not nuking, is my thinking. Like this is where the nuke's gonna happen this turn, but over there there is gonna be a ravage, but I've pushed most of the threat away, but the Dahan will kill that town and explorer there or whatever. Right. Uh so yeah, damage, then Dahan, and then I guess elements if like you really feel like you want uh, some added flexibility. Or like anything with energy gain, because yes. we're mostly relying on energy gain from cards. Yep. So like that's like kind of where I think you could get kind of messed up yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Is if you end up having to spend more energy than you expect on a single Absolutely. round and you're not getting it back. So if you happen to find another card that's like, oh, a little bit of energy What's for me. What's great, great though is, especially in non-solo games, is some uh, similar to like Boon of Vigor, some of the best 
energy gain cards are usually like a target spirit situation yeah. where it's like the person being targeted gains more energy. So honestly, you you mostly want your friends to get their hands on a gain sure, energy sure. And, and just like one turn of like, hey, here's three extra energy. It's like, cool, that's going to last me the next four rounds. <laughs> we're we're going to be good or whatever. Righty, so, righty. Uh, in conclusion, uh, River, uh, Rhesus is uh, ridiculous. It's actually, this is not called Rhesus. This is just called Massive Floods. This is Massive Floods, the faction. Yeah. Uh, or the spirit. Uh, uh, you can just do so much with that single power that the learning curve is figuring out where your presence needs to go. This is a great teaching faction for learning the importance of positioning of presence more than anything else because it's very easy to get that presence out there uh which means you even have some room for being punished for bad choices and it's like okay that was a bad choice i learned from my mistake and i put the presence where it needed to go later uh but yeah it's it's beyond that you will see how much power you can wield with it you're you're dumping your whole hand uh seeing what is just kind of mildly optimal with the actual card place mm -hmm. where you're just like i'm definitely playing these cards and i'll figure out what i do with them at some other juncture. We'll right. see what's left. Uh, honestly, that's kind of the advantage. So many of your powers are slow, especially your most powerful stuff. Like, Massive Flooding is a slow power. Yeah, it's a slow. So, the, the, the invaders get to do a bunch of stuff, and then you're just reacting to it, which is why you are... That's the other reason you're so focused on just the elements, because it's kind of like, well, that's a known variable. I know I'll just do something somewhere that's important, and as long as my presence is well spread out, I'll determine where that needs to be when the time comes. Well, also, any spirit that relies on a slow is one of those spirits where you really need to be thinking about the order of operations yes, for it, like what the invaders are absolutely. going to do. Especially, this is a slow that up until we unlock, it's the, the it uh, up until it goes super saiyan, it's yeah. about pushing, yeah. right? Right, which so, is great. <laughs> so you need to push stuff before it ravages or push stuff yeah. before it builds if you're that far ahead yeah. on tempo. I, don't, I doubt you will be. Yeah, your, your goal is never to optimize pushing the most stuff. It's literally just to like, where's the best spot to prevent a build right yeah. now? Yeah, two, two How damage many actions can and, we deny? Yeah, it, it might be two damage to kill the town and push a single explorer but that's going to prevent the city from, from right. hitting what would have been there. So right. that, I mean, that that's like a huge power just for three water and two sun, which you do with your eyes closed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too easy, honestly. Um, so yeah, at some point you're going to kill every single thing in a single land and then probably be just looking to pick off the stragglers right after that. Y you are not, aiming for that level three fear victory condition nah, that yeah, so yeah. many other factions, or at least I feel like in so many of our early games, it's like once we get to that city point, that's when we're really that's thinking about we'll the win. end game. Yeah, right. yeah. That's not how this faction feels. Uh, the spirit feels at all. It's, it is very much you, you can accelerate that. Um, and so much of the fun uh, is, is exploring what other spirits can do for you. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, not even going to get into the weeds with it. Uh, go discover those combos because they're ridiculous. I will shout out the obvious ones, especially because we've talked about them in the past. Ocean's Hungry Grasp. How about also the pushing? Some of my pushing is for my big stack I'm going to kill. The rest is pushed into the sea yeah. and is just energy for the ocean to do what they want to do. Uh, th these two have like the most obvious uh, synergy. I will say, I mentioned the game with Deft. That was uh river and finder of paths unseen which is an expansion faction uh finder of paths unseen is basically all of your presence turns those areas into adjacent mm -hmm. so def spreads her presence everywhere and then my pushes 
go anywhere. Yeah. And wow. that's how we put, we literally had one stack with every, across both of our boards. That's hyper efficient. Every enemy was on a single Insane. spot. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like this spirit uh, and it was really fun to hear about him. And I'll, I'll just say this. Um, if Rysis was an organization, <laughs> I would sign up for it. Thank our weird parents, <laughs> Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Pope Billy, Brassford, Book of All of Soul, Kalu, and Daryl, Jadim, Jedi, Carnal, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, M. Lashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, M44, and Arways. I'm sorry, there was a name I said in there that I just sort of like glazed through it. I want to thank recent finalist Jadim Ooh, Jedi. Jadim Congratulations Jedi. on your win in the semifinals. Representing the Weird Bears at mm -hmm. the SCPT finals. Absolutely. Jadim Jedi. And there might be more. And there, yeah, cool. and there are other options yeah, as well. So we will see how that develops. That's really Unbelievable. Awesome. I also want to thank our Teensy Sprouts. Kraken, General Pith, Hercules, my son is also named Bort, Savant, and Vince. I don't have a homebrew review for you this week. Homebrewers, Get in there. Send me some stuff. I need some more stuff. I want more it's stuff. Brew time. It's brewing it's time. Brew time. But Get I do have an agenda phase for you. Will asks, "What is your favorite and least favorite codex change?" Ooh, this one's cool. What is my favorite? My least. Y we can't say Calaris. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm not that's gonna say a, the that's big a bit stuff. Much. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit my much. least favorite codex change is the Necrovirus Argent Flight weird scenario. Oh, uh, actually, yeah. Actually, that's mm -hmm. my least favorite change. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I think uh the Yin, the early Yin stuff was just not anywhere close to enough. I don't, I, I don't think Yin has gotten the right stuff from codices yet. Ooh, so your I, least favorite is what? Like Yin Spinner. Yin I, spinner, I don't, I don't like yeah. the, I, I don't think the new Yin Spinner is the right thing mm -hmm. yet i don't even necessarily like the new commander either yeah uh, and those are in two separate codices but yeah i right. just i have not liked yin's i don't like where yin ended up after a couple codices i mean the obvious favorite like to, to go on the positive side would be uh the new nalu angel right agent. right zayu zayu whatever <laughs> i could see some people that being their least favorite because it's just such a ridiculous oh, power spike but i, I love it li yeah. I, I like the where me and Dane really match up is I like ridiculous stuff yep. that gets used. Right. That becomes the backbone right. of the faction. That's our I whole pitch like. for Arbrek, right? It's yeah. like, why is Arbrek sitting here with nothing crazy cool? Give them something crazy that they can use all the time. And it makes them way too good, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Let's catapult them. Let's go from bottom tier to top yep. tier yep. with, with our or with uh, Arbrek. Arbrek. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think my favorite would have to be Zoe just because it's transformed Nalu and brought them back. And I would say it's brought them back into the top uh, tier in a healthy way. Just in a way that doesn't feel, mm -hmm. you can still, you can trash Nalu. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if, a, if Nalu wins it, to a certain extent, I don't feel like, Nalu's abilities are just too powerful. Yeah. I'll be like, those naughty players yeah. didn't take care right. of their problem. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. And that's what I want to feel with a faction like Nalu. Yeah. I don't want it to be, Oh well, Nalu just wins, and there's no way to stop it. I want it to be like, no, Nalu can yeah. be stopped. You just have to be smart. And I like that. And I, I'm coming to a point where I I get maybe slightly more easily bored when all of the factions at the table are of a similar power curve, and we just we just do the boat floating thing and see where we all mm -hmm. end up in round mm -hmm. five. I it's like I want a Sar, I want a Mahawked, I want a Nalu thrown in the mix to like really scare us and make yeah. us think about something yeah. different we need to do. Yeah, um, I think my least favorite, I'm going to be a little bit controversial, 
and say that my least favorite is the uh, new extra hero. Yeah. I just feel like we didn't, <laughs> yeah. we didn't nail it. I think that it's a we okay. So obviously it transforms the faction. Yeah. So that should be good, right? Right. But it it does it in a way that I find a little like just n not like it's not creating new opportunities. Yeah. It's just saying I got big numbers. Yeah. My numbers got big over here. Yeah. It's cool that they get to dominate the agenda phase. And I think sure. a hero... They were doing... They can kind of they do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it was sort of already a thing. Yeah. And then, like, the fact that it's like, okay, I guess you can make use of this to just have a crazy amount of tokens, yeah. or you could use it to be like a war sun faction. I find it a little... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, we needed to get rid of... The, the old extra hero. The old extra hero was, was, a problem. was a problem. Yeah, but I don't think we found the right solution. I feel like the solution that we found was maybe a little bit, uh, it wasn't as eloquent or yeah. elegant. Yeah, Not yeah. eloquent, elegant. Yeah. That's an ironic word to mess up, <laughs> eloquent. Um, it's not as elegant as yeah. I feel like it. You it know what? Been. You know what my favorite uh, addition or change was? Uh, because I, it just feels like it's been so long since we've talked about it. Those three extra relics thrown into the deck oh yeah i i just I, the the relic deck at its prophecy of kings set of 10 was like the old action card deck it was mm -hmm. too easy to mill through especially if nasroke is in the game you just will get to all of them yeah and the relics up to that point were too you know scepter of emilpar and stuff like that is such a it's that it's that really awkward dynamic of like early versus late you get it late it's a just this useless trash basically mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like all the ones we got late i mean even junior late is like oh my gosh i can yeah. get that I, the structure objective i can you just can do win winner. off junior you can win That's off junior crazy. yeah it's a stall i love nano forge nano forge is so cool and and nano forge is such a funny synergy with like other stuff like you can nano forge early in the game and then shard comes up and you're like no this nano yeah. forge is biting me i just That's fun and dynamic. i think it's really great would add to the game and i hope we get more i think 13's an awkward how dare we have a weird number for a thing a, a deck 20's a cool number yeah i was gonna say 15 number. or 20 but 20 would be really killer 20's a neat number then because that's then in our nas roca games there's like almost no known variables mm -hmm. right if those if those extra seven that we could add were all also pretty dynamite all pretty good yeah but in like a mid tier yes, mid not uh, mid or not a lower shard of the throne tier. yeah they don't need to be points no more yeah. points in no the relic points. deck <laughs> no more points in the deck make it so that the math on fishing for shard is kind of hopeless yeah because it does feel weird to fish for to do shard so often. as a strategy yeah feels kind of strange right but, but i mean but fishing for like pretty clutch good powers yeah i'd love more of that if they were if jr and like dynamis core yes. and nanoforge were the the rule yeah as far as you're getting stuff on that level then i think the relic deck would be uh would be perfect yeah definitely um, yeah. yeah but that that needs to be like the the this is basically they're each kind of on this level yeah definitely uh okay we we have a galactic council episode coming up actually quite yeah. soon so listeners yeah we messed up a little bit on scheduling y'all it's been chaos over here <laughs> sorry it's been chaos <laughs> corner we're we're kind of nuts yeah um it's the i guess it's summer or something yeah. like that there's some sort of tournament going on. Yep. Uh, Vacation season. Yeah, <laughs> trip I'm not season. even at my house. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't even remember what my house looks like. Yeah. Uh, so we have a we got to do a Galactic Council episode, and we need your answer in a week. Yeah. So if you're hearing this right now and you are in the Galactic Council, go vote. Vote. Vote now. <laughs> go vote. Turn it off. Turn it off. 
Good luck. Uh, so the idea with all these is pr- it, uh, there's a decent chance I'm not going to be on this episode. Yeah. There's a pretty decent chance I won't be here for this one, which means we're going to be getting some sort of guest on it. But we're not going to like shoehorn in a guest right now before we've asked them. But these are all things that guests could come join in on yes. and be a part of the action. So our first option is Theory Crafting, a Spirit Island Tournament. This yeah. is something we definitely already want to do or you right. basically have plans to do right but it would be nice to sort of do the work of figuring out like what does that look like i, I know some other spirit island tournaments out there do exist but right. i'd also love to, uh, you know a specific space cats flavor to what that uh could be uh, i think theory crafting a a draft is something i might even if i can't be on the episode i might call in and send you a recording if this one wins of just like this is my idea for a spirit island here's faction how i draft. think it should work yeah 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 <laughs> but anyways the next one we got is uh about the uh about drago's uh tournament stats yeah uh which were recently uh compiled and finalized and finished um obviously there's still more games to play in the tournament but it's more interesting to look at the prelims and qualifiers yeah, the semis are not meaningful. that's more data <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. um so we could dig through that take a look at all the work drago has done and milk it for episode content <laughs> thank you drago <laughs> thank you drago for giving us an episode uh we've also got <laughs> i have to introduce this one and yeah. it's tournament player tier list yeah this is over the years of tournaments let's judge people for all their worth so this would be taking everyone that is or not everyone actually a wow. lot of people get left out yeah uh so we no take... no, no it's a tier list of a thousand people <laughs> go ahead hunter no, no so we take uh, a lot of notable uh semi-famous or uh, actually famous uh or super famous uh tournament players and uh, we rank them on a uh, tier list. Uh, so the goal would be to upset them, uh, make them mad, uh, annoy people, uh, kind of juice people up in uh-huh. a way that kind of like probably ruins their future yeah. in the tournament. Absolutely. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, the, it, let me just go ahead and say this is it's a joke. This is, would be a joke. Yep. This would be like when we ranked the entire community. Just going to be for a laugh. For goofs. Do not expect real opinions. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you, if you pick this one, the 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 co-host is most definitely EJ. Okay, <laughs> don't so say that. Now they'll definitely pick well, it. they were gonna pick it anyways. <laughs> all right, they were gonna pick it anyways because they wanted to find out how much of a joke it is. Yeah, uh, but it will just we will just be screwing around. Okay, it's not it's not gonna be about real opinions. Yeah, but I just think it would be funny to as a way to kind of like Reminisce. just kind of talk about everybody yeah. that's played in the tournament sure. and and highlight some some special moments. Well, another option for reminiscing is. The fourth one, which is top 10 tournament moments. Yes. Uh, this is going back in history, all of the tournaments, all five tournaments, and talking about those big, uh, basically, this is like a, a sort of a play of the week episode, basically. Yes. Yeah. But uh, Hunter and myself or guest but would both collect essentially 10 of the favorite coolest things that have happened in tournament history and just regale you with, a, with stories of tournaments gone by. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fun, you know, we've been doing the tournament for a long time. Apparently, we started it in 2019 is something I'm hearing right now. Um, my assistant is saying that we started in 2019. Makes me You're feel- You're fired. Yeah. yeah uh, this is your last day. Uh, you, no, you need to be out of here by five. Uh, clean out your desk. Uh, but yeah, so upsetting to hear, but I guess it's true. And what that means is that there's a lot of crazy stuff that has happened in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if this one gets picked, honestly, this is the smart pick. This is the one that like, it's it's a wholesome idea. It's a sweet idea. It will be. It's timely. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe y'all should just pick this one here at the bottom. <laughs> if I if I can if pitch. I can pitch you on something, I think top ten tournament moments 
is a, a fun idea uh, if you have things to submit. I I thought of this idea and had like seven ready yeah, to right. go off the top Yo, of my Oh, this head. is a great one for pre-errata. Just yeah. to start getting everybody else yeah. to submit their own too. If we end up going with this one, please submit because there's going to be stuff that I haven't seen. Believe it or not, I have not seen every single game of the tournament <laughs> because that's like hundreds of games yeah, at this point. It is. Um, but I would love those. Uh, let, let, me, let me have them. Let yeah. me have what you think are your top 10 tournament moments. Um, and then we can all talk about how it is number one, Jolie or Cam. When <laughs> everything else is like number 10. When Joel Nar Binks walked away from the stream for a very long time and left it on. I, you know Joel what? Or. I'll just throw out my honorable mention right now. And it's not a single moment, but it's similar to Jolie or Cam. Just the number of times our tournament has had people fall asleep at the helm oh yeah streamer and player just the number of times there there was that moment of uh uh so and so so and so i think Hello? they're i think they're gone and then uh what what do you what do, what do you want that happened in our semi-final game number one our, yeah. our, our one british player who was awake at like 5 a.m i don't know that they firmly fell asleep but there was definitely a i'm just sort of vibing right now in my chair yeah and if you need me you can just say my name and I'll try to show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's been times I've fallen asleep. Yeah. I mean, I'm on camera. Yeah. On camera. I've that's, been asleep. That's on camera. my favorite. I've been Man, asleep on camera for the tournament. So it funny. is the sleepiest event. That is the proof that this is a dumb, dumb enterprise. This is such a foolish tournament. I mean, this last game we did, I was on the floor for half of it. <laughs> half of it was just me laying on the floor with Birdie, your yep. dog, yep. and just, we were actually bonding quite a bit, yeah. um, which is the important stuff, by the way, <laughs> as compared to playing Twilight Imperium, a less important thing than bonding with a dog you've known for a long time, okay? That's some real stuff right there. So yeah, pick one of those. Uh, they'll, they'll all be fun. Uh, I'm already regretting putting tournament player tier list as an option. Yep. Um, and yeah. uh, let me tell you, Please don't you pick that list. one. I'm going to trick you some somehow. Because yeah. yeah. I even think the funny version of this might be too painful for some people. I don't want to hurt people. <laughs> Let's just make it an episode of spite instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll, we'll, see. we'll see what happens if you pick number three. And not in a good way either. You will be punished somehow. Thanks for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Brian Capillas for the wonderful music. You can find more at wanderinglake.bandcamp.com. I am so proud to present you with your final prelims recap of the 2023 Space Cats Peace Turtles Tournament. And this week it's a special treat because every single one of these write-ups was written by your own Elspeth SC over at twitch.tv slash Cam. She is actually the one who knocked out the last four games of the prelims that were spread across three separate weekends. I want to also shout out her co-commentators, Squeamish, Emu, Liver Squatch, and Phil Sage. But Elspeth, of course there were many streamers who were a major part of this year's tournament, but today the focus is on you because all of these prelim recaps are brought to us by you. 
So thank you. The community thanks you. And I and Hunter thank you from the bottoms of our hearts. Let's get on with it. Game 33, early objectives of improve infrastructure and sway the council led to first pick trade for Nomad and a delighted Titans who was able to take warfare to potentially score. Sadly for Titans, the DMZ foiled their plan. Nomad, post-trade, had enough trade goods to score as well as tech for gravity drive. Mysteriously, however, they spent some of those trade goods on using Sling Relay for a carrier. After taking Dalbutha next to Rex and putting a mech there with Hope's End, the Nomad plan became clear when they shocked the table, using their flagship to take Mechatol through adjacency with their mech and spending the six remaining trade goods on Custodians. Only Calaris was able to score a public objective, Sway the Council, as well as their secret objective to put them at two points with Nomad at one from the Custodians and the rest all at zero. After the agenda phase where representative government failed to pass, players started negotiating in earnest to score populate the Outer Rim, the new control objective. With tech, construction, trade, leadership, and warfare all taken and badly needed, the table expected Nomad to grab politics to reclaim the speaker token, but they instead grabbed Imperial in a bold move to score a second bonus point, paying Titans the cavalry to not take Mechatol Rex before Imperial had a chance to pop. The first action Imperial pop, along with scoring Sway the Council, put Nomad firmly in the lead. L1 pulled JR out of the Relic deck, giving them plenty of stall actions, letting them score edges along with Necro and Argent, with Titans and Calaris scoring three structures and Nomad failing to score a second public for the round. The agenda phase resulted in free mechs for the table, plus political censure on Argent and plenty of free command counters for Calaris from their X-Chot-themed hero. Titans also swapped with Calaris across the table. In round three, Nomad was bribed for first turn tech, courtesy of Calaris with first turn trade. Nomad took temporal command suite and biostims, offering to let L1 use JR twice in exchange for giving Nomad a turn with it as well. Titans had Imperial, but popped it before taking Rex, leaving Rex mysteriously empty in the hands of Nomad after multiple rounds. Nomad was able to pay Titans and Argent not to shoot as they took Malice for their third edge system. Titans also found Shard, much to their delight, with no legendary planets controlled. Everyone was able to score public objectives. The agenda phase brought a galactic crisis pack on tech, yay, and a covert legislation that was secretly clandestine operations. Boo! Nomad managed to bribe through a trade writer against for five trade goods now and five later with Artuno, and sabotaged the deadly plot that tried to save the table's fleet tokens. Necro was able to score the Imperial point by selling the DMZ they bought from Titans to L1 in exchange from a retreat from Rex, such that L1 could score two attachments. Support swaps finished up this round as well, with Nomad marrying L1 and Necro marrying Argent. So much love this round. Round 4 ended in less than 6 hours, with Titans on 8 points, L1 on 6 but with Speaker, and all other players on 7. The agenda phase resulted in some command counters for L1 in the form of Armed Forces Standardization and the destruction of 60 plus dollars resources of ships by Wormhole Research. Imperial went to L1, Nomad took Leadership, Calaris took Diplo, Argent took Politics, Necro took Construction, and Titans took Trade, with 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 being the order of cards taken in order of opportunities to win. Titans converted a PDS to a flagship and was able to score Unveil with the help of an additional Dread, bringing them to 9 points with developed weaponry secured and ready to score on the 5. Nomad commenced a tenuous Leadership stall with Calaris running out of options and passing without a path to victory. Argent took an attachment from Titans, killing a lonely Warsun and destroying a greatest ship along the way. 
Titans passed, and Nomad was forced to end the leadership stall with their primary nemesis at this point, Necro, still very much in the game. Argent passed, and L1 popped Imperial for the three attachments two-pointer and used their hero to position four dreads and their flagship, along with plenty of ground forces outside of Titan's home system, which would enable them to score Dark in the Skies and seize Shard for the win. Necro saw that the game might end and attacked the fleet, losing the fight, but making it impossible for L1 to win in the action phase and impossible for anyone to take Titan's home system and prevent them from winning on the five. L1 retaliated, scoring Dark in the Skies and taking Necro's home system with the surviving flagship and mechs. Nomad realized that Necro might still stop them and requested a ceasefire in exchange for not killing Necro's remaining fleet over Mechatol Rex. When Necro refused, Nomad sent their fleet to Rex, winning the space in a narrow battle and deciding to take the ground. Nomad rebuilt their flagship at home with a new fighter screen and brought it to Dalbutha next to Rex to continue the parade. The parade ended prematurely, however, with Necro insubordinating Nomad's last tactics token. Necro had to take back their home system to have their own chance at victory and sent every ship they still had back to take it. In the end, Necro was able to take their home system back, scoring Learn the Secrets of the Cosmos and develop weaponry for the win. Congrats to Mobbles for their win as Necro in its finger. Game 34, round one objectives of build defenses and found research outposts led to a very sad table. All factions were cooperative with timings to most successfully expand, though Empyrean missed out on a lot of value by failing to follow warfare in order to hold on to trade goods and lend some to Nasroka to make Dark Pack work in round one. Only Barony, by borrowing a planet from Muat, was able to score a public in round one with no secrets scored at all. In round two, Nomad immediately took Custodians, though they were swiftly kicked right back off by Muat's Warson, kept alive after a direct hit by a very lucky sabotage. Most players were able to score public objectives with the addition of a mass wealth, though still not a single one scored a secret. After an uneventful agenda phase, players had a very token light round, but were still quite cooperative despite the game generally being relatively low scoring. No one was able to manage the new public objective lead from the front, but the older objectives were generally attainable. After luckily losing control of Mirage, Empyrean found Shard of the Throne, necessitating they hold Primor, Malice, and their home system for the rest of the game. Barony, in trying to maneuver some planet swaps, went to zero tokens on their entire command sheet by the end of the round. A few secrets were scored, though not many. The agenda phase this time brought the highly unfun clandestine operations at a table that was already extremely low on tokens. It narrowly went against to the light of Barony, who had two tokens in tactics and zero anywhere else. Support swaps all around happened, with these cooperative players definitely feeling the love tonight. In round four, corner of the market caused some stress as players started working towards harder objectives. A quite kind post-trade leadership pop greatly alleviated the token shortages and lengthened this round considerably. Muat continued parking on Rex despite never having Imperial. Nomad set up where they could threaten Shard the following round, and Nasroka blockaded Yin's home system with permission for scoring a secret objective. After scoring, Nomad ended up at 9 points, with the Shard looming as a possibility. Empyrean on 8, holding Shard. Barony at 5, and the rest of the table at 6. Imperial Arbiter got hack election played, but the table conspired to, to give it to last place Barony, keeping it from the players in the lead. A Yin Imperial Rider, Imperian Warfare Rider, and Nomad Tech Rider polluted an otherwise meaningless agenda, with the Imperial Rider and Warfare Rider resolving due to the danger of Nomad getting lightwave deflectors and being able to too easily take Shard for the immediate win. Speaker Nasroka took Diplo and a trade good on it, enabling them to score hold vast reserves if they popped their Dynamis Core, 
and Empyrean threatened to take a trade or warfare with two trade goods on it to lock in the trade goods for the two-pointer. The table convinced Empyrean that they would not bail them out if they did that, and Nomad went for Shard, so Empyrean took leadership. With Barony as Imperial Arbiter, Nomad took Warfare, leaving Imperial for Barony, politics for Muwat, and trade for Yin. The strategy phase ended with the Muwat observation that those of us who are not winning just need to pick someone who is and beat them up. On that somber note, round five began. Windslaying was discussed. At length. A lot. No, 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 no. More than you're even imagining. Nazroka took the shard from Empyrean on Primor. Muwat took the shard from Nazroka also on Primor, and then Empyrean narrowly took Shard back from Muat in their home system with a spectacular Courageous to the end on a destroyer from Muat making the ground battle shockingly close. In the end, no one could stop Empyrean, congratulations to Bodison in Celery as Empyrean. Game 35 got off to a wild start with a draft that had no speaker order picks until the 11th pick. The humble checkmate went straight to the table talk, pretending that they were about to pick trade with Nomad second in pick order and extorting a free refresh and wash for instead choosing Warfare, the card he wanted anyways. He then started a no-tech pledge, where all players except Jolnar promised not to ever take technology. Nomad took trade as they wanted, Hakan took leadership with lead from the front as an objective, Calaris took politics, Jolnar took construction, and Empyrean jumped wholeheartedly into the if-you-take-tech-you-die bandwagon and took Diplo over tech as well. Jadim Jedi was inconsolable in the chat. Everyone except for Calaris scored a public objective, lead from the front, and push boundaries, but no secrets were scored. The agenda phase gave a tiny bit of tech for the table in the form of wormhole research for a very steep cost, with double-digit plastic exploding and every player getting tech and Hakan getting an extra from buying Jolnar's research agreement. The tech embargo ended after multiple people who could have scored developed weaponry passed on it, with Nomad taking tech fifth. The table vowed vengeance. At the start of round two, Sar took Wellen from Nomad Slice, commencing the take, tech, and die promise. Empyrean also sent a fleet to Primor, also belonging to Nomad, but was unsuccessful at taking the planet and was set back to the point of not scoring a public objective. Nomad recovered their slice as Hakan used Imperial to double score public objectives, but did not challenge Saur on Mechatol Rex. Saur built up their Rex force considerably, but was unable to score for the round as well. The agenda phase saw Nomad drive the debate while becoming Minister of Sciences. Going into round three, leadership was picked up first by Empyrean, and Calaris twisted Jolnar's arm this is sarcasm, is being noted, into promising the last pick Imperial by offering to take technology fifth. The table once again vowed vengeance. Hakan continued the threat of violence towards tech, taking Grawl from Calaris for the tech skip to work on scoring found research outposts. In response, however, Sauron Nomad attacked Hakan's slice on several fronts, blockading a forward dock and preventing Hakan from scoring found research outposts. Sar made it to six points at the end of the round, with many others close behind. A relatively uneventful agenda phase saw Hakan score dictate policy. Speaker Sar attempted to grab Imperial, but got public disgraced. He grabbed politics instead, with Nomad on Imperial and Hakan on tech. Kill him! Sar retreated from most of Hakan's slice, holding tight to Thiba. A lot of maneuvering and whispering ensued, and Hakan took Quantum Data Hub node to give themselves a strong round five. In response, and probably because Hakan took tech, Empyrean jumped to blockade Hakan's empty home system, leaving one of the planets without any units at all before it could be reinforced. Empyrean then tried, and failed, to take an undefended planet in the Jolnar home system, being brought down by five PDS on their two ships. 
Nomad then brought his flagship on parade to the Hakan home system, killing Imperian's blockade and taking a planet, with Hakan being taken largely out of the running. Scoring brought Sar and Jolnar to 8 points, left Hakan at 7, and brought Calaris, Imperian, and Nomad to 4, 5, and 6 respectively, with less than 40 minutes on the clock. With 7 structures as the 2-pointer and only Jolnar potentially able to score it, an uneventful agenda phase happened, and then the final round began, with Hakan Quantum Data Hub noting Imperial from Calaris and Jolnar taking construction to be sure of the 7-structure objective. SARS sent a space dock through the gravity rift and a massive PDS network, trying to stealth bomb the planets in the mostly empty home system since the dock cannot be PDSed. However, the rift was cruel, and the dock died along with that slay attempt. Jolnar put out more blocking ships on their turn, and Claris followed with another attempt on Jolnar's structures, killing one of the three that needed to die. Jolnar reinforced their fleet, and the table continued planning the Windslay. Hakan took their home system back from Nomad, who scored Become a Martyr, going to seven points. With some terrible rolls, Sar was able to take one more of the three necessary structures from Jolnar, but the rest were highly reinforced. Calaris took the last necessary structure, eliminating Jolnar from the tiebreaker. Hakan failed a close critical combat to get a tech skip as Sar rolled spectacularly and accidentally triggered the soundboard at length to provide a bit of atmosphere. Nomad and Sar scored to 9, Hakan and Jolnar to 8, appearing to 6, and Claire's to 5. An inconsequential agenda led to a tiebreaker between Sar and Nomad. Sar got it on Make History. Congratulations to the humble checkmate for winning as Sar in Ginger as She Goes. And finally, Game 36. Amentak caused all manner of nonsense starting quite early in Round 1. Calaris offered a Relic Frag, Speaker with first pick, and BFF status for Mentak's promise of protection, but by consent chose not to play the promise immediately and made a deal where Mentak paid and immediately pillaged a third trade good in order to both draw action guards. Mentak declared intent to pillage aggressively, leaving Cabal unable to collect on some of their trade debt, but barely able to squeak out enough trade goods to score the spendy. Empyrean, with Diplo, was the only other round one score. Mentak used their bartered four speaker order to grab Imperial first, boldly planning to take Rex and score the point. Nalu used Master Plan to pop trade on the zero and then use those trade goods to take Rex still on the first action. Mentak took Rex from them, with Nalu retreating before any fighting even happened. Cabal bought terraforming at great cost from Titans so that they could score two attachments, and Titans scan-linked their whole slice looking for attachments themselves and found a tomb on Evera. Mentak lightened the mood by offering to not pillage people who complimented him personally instead. Titans further made a deal for Mentak's trade agreement and assorted goodies to give Mentak two frags towards a relic, which became a very spicy obsidian. Mentak then scored the Imperial point, but no extra public off Imperial, with Calaris getting two command tokens from Custodia Vigilia. In round three, the addition of push boundaries as an objective led to a lot of jockeying for planets. With Empyrean losing both Mirage and Atlas, the Mirage was found in Titan's slice in the first place. Cabal was unable to convert Imperial to a Rex point, or a double public score, scoring only one public objective. In the end, Titans, Calaris, courtesy of the Argent home system, and Mentak were able to push boundaries, leaving Mentak, Cabal, and Nalu at four, and the rest of the table at three, after three very quick rounds. After another uneventful agenda phase, round four brought more control objectives in the form of Populate the Outer Rim. A Cabal-Titan support swap and a large number of scored secret objectives meant that the round ended with Nalu and Cabal on 7 after Nalu's Imperial round let them double score public objectives, Titans on 6, 
Calaire is in Mentec on 5 and Empyrean on 4. Seven Structures was flipped as an unscorable public objective for all, except perhaps Titans, and the agenda phase resulted in Ixthian Artifact exploding and taking out Mentak's forces on Rex along with several of their other units and a few units from the other players except Empyrean. Round 5 had Titans scoring attachments off of Imperial, prevented from getting the Rex point by their support partner Cabal getting to Rex first. Titans popped Imperial to score attachments, then later got up to seven structures, setting up for the win with a secret objective. Calaris broke their deal with Mentak, shockingly support swapping with Empyrean instead. Empyrean crippled Titan's defenses, taking them off the two-pointer with a mech as backup in case of a sabotage, though it wasn't needed. Scoring left Titans on 9, Nalu, Calaris, and Mentak on 8, and Empyrean Cabal on 7. An uneventful agenda phase notably saw Mentak and Nalu both shut out of support swaps and not swapping with each other. Round 6. Started with Cabal finally fighting with Precision, having attempted that previously, putting them on 8 points. All players struggled to keep killing Titan's structures so that they couldn't score the 2-pointer and win. After several attempts and 3 murdered Hell Titans, the slay was complete, and several players lined up for 9 points with no one else having a path to win. Nalu, Titans, and Mentak ended on 9 points and the rest at 8. Heading for a potential clown fiesta, the first agenda was mutiny. With zero influence and controlling only two planets, Cabal put an Imperial Rider against, since Nalo would instantly win if it went four. Mutiny was going to go against, but Nalu deadly plotted to ensure Cabal didn't join the tiebreaker party. Archived Secret came up next, with Red having two secrets in hand and theoretically able to win if they had both agenda phase secrets, but they did not. The tiebreaker ensued, and the seventh public objective revealed ended up being raise a fleet for a Titans win. Congratulations to Storm Delay on the win as Titans in the round six clown fiesta in Gone Girl. And that's it, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the prelims recaps. Uh, I'm not doing a semis recap this week. There was just one game last weekend, but I do think there will be semis recaps later. Next week's episode is the finale of the Gathering Storm, the RPG series, so that will not have a tournament recap. I The semis recap might just be all six once all of the semis are done. Okay, I think that's what I'm going to do. So that's it. I love you. Love your hair. Hope you win. Bye bye now. <laughs> <laughs>